Amarillo by morning Up from San Antonio Everything that I got Is just what I've got on When that sun is high in that Texas sky I'll be bucking at the county fair Welcome to episode 119 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Wacy Anderson. He is coming to us from, what is it, the Walking Eagle Motor Inn in Rocky Mountain Eagle House? In Rocky Mountain House. Fine establishment. It's a, it's a quite the place, so you can tell it's definitely like an oil field hub, hotel, mm-hmm. because every morning... There's like people start rumbling around at about 536 in the hallways. And then housekeeping comes around at about, at about 837 o'clock every day, which is kind of interesting. But anyways, yeah, it's 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 a good place. Free breakfast every morning. So that's been handy. Yeah, that's nice. And it's a nice restaurant there in the in the lobby. Grillers. What's it called? Drillers? Grillers. Grillers. You and Dave have been having uh, breakfast there? We I have only had Dave breakfast with Dave once because he's still in Red Deer this morning. Okay. Uh, and then I didn't catch them the other mornings, but yeah, I have good breakfast. And then I've been to a couple other places I went to. Well, not really a couple other places. I went to that 48 across the road for supper one night. Did you get downtown uh, to the barbecue spot. joint yet? No, I haven't had time. It's a good spot. By the time everything's over in the evening, there's not much to do. There's not much time. I understand. It's a big day. It's a big day. But hey, we uh, before we get to more stuff here, though, we have a sponsor to talk about, Wacy. Cowboy shit right now is proudly sponsored by Equipride and Equilix. Hey, horse owners, have you ever tried one of those molasses lick tubs? Have you tried one, Wace? I haven't. Have I? I've had a little taste of one back in way back in the day, but it wasn't for horses; it was for cows. But anyways, well, you know, you know what happens with them? They they melt in the summer and they get all soupy and messy, which ends up on your horse's face and all over you. Then in the winter, they freeze and your horses paw at it and wear down their hooves. Plus, they can't eat enough in the winter to do any good. Who needs that? Well, thanks to Aqualix, there's a lick tub out there that actually provides great nutrition without feeding a pile of sugar to the animal. And as a bonus, it doesn't melt in the summer or freeze in the winter. Talk to your local feed store about getting in some Equilux to try out today. 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 Some Equilux. Like, don't wait. It did happen. It's rodeo season. You need to keep your horses in tip-top shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's excellent for hoof, hoof growth, your horse's coat, and colic issues. Just using it will save you about 20% on your forage needs. There's no starts, no sugar, and no molasses. That's it. That's it. And Equilux. It is. Hey ain't cheap. Hey ain't cheap. Hey ain't cheap, folks. Hey ain't cheap. Okay, so so Rocky Mountain House. Uh, So this weekend, uh, what we do? Wednesday morning, went to set up uh, in Rocky. So, Wacy, you've been there since Wednesday, putting in a shift Uh in Rocky Mountain House. And then I was in... uh, Red Deer for the PBR Canada Cup Series debut for the season. We hadn't, uh, I had some stuff on Blaine's truck I hadn't seen since, oh, uh, wow. November, since Edmonton yeah. uh, finals at Rogers. So, our first one of the year, it was, uh, what was it? It was, uh, it was a good time. Jake Gardner gets the win. Uh, he rides two bulls. Lonnie West is a couple, like two and a half points behind. I think Lonnie won up in Meadow Lake as well. And he's leading days, uh, Rocky Mountain House right now, too. Leading Rocky Mountain House. Lonnie West is on a tear currently, kicking some ass. He just so won, uh, he just won uh, a, an event last uh, week, too. 
in Montana. Challenger. Yeah, one of, in uh, oh, where is it? Uh, Great Falls. Great Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lonnie West, good to see him kicking Forever. some ass, hurting some guys though. Coy Robin separated his shoulder in Rocky Mountain House. He said, uh, and then uh, something else. Somebody else got a bit mucked out too, but uh, good to see things rolling right now. Nice to be on the road. And uh, Wacy in Rocky Mountain House yesterday. Dave Polson leaves a little early, and Wacy's boom officially pro rodeo announcer for uh, what? Half an hour, ten minutes. How long was it? Probably like twenty-five minutes when it was all said and done. Twenty-five. So you did some of the. I did Dave all the like, bull rider. You did all some of, of it. Oh. Bronx, some of the mini Bronx. I did. I guess all but one bull rider. All but one. Mm-hmm. Dave did one Dave and then did. passed it off. Yeah, Dave was the one and said, "See you later." So he got he got it lit up for you, and then the guy had to repo. He's like, "Well, this is a good time for me to leave." See you all. Here's <laughs> my friend Wacy. Yeah, here you go. And then I was on music and announcing which was an interesting task while trying to talk and hold the mic in my hand and pick music to play at the same time. So it's not easy. You need uh, two hands was, to do the music now. Yeah, it was hard. That was like probably the most difficult and stressful part of the job for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I don't know. I don't like announcing. I don't ever, I'm not, I won't be pulling my announcer card anytime soon. It's not for me. Yeah. I'm yeah. more of a conversational type speaker. than a, I'm not a projector of my voice. An announcer. I don't like to make announcements. I think it's probably you, a hard skill though. Yeah, and but he, I mean, you look at guys like like Doug and Dave and Brad, even like all the best guys, and Bob Tallman, like they just have that like big commanding big voice. voice, even when they speak normally, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the one thing is, I think that sets with the really good guys apart is they have obviously you got to learn learn the ropes to get good at any like anything, but I think having that voice for it too, it's even like radio people, like a radio people, they have like the voice that's for radio, you know, like. And a face to match. And a face to match, just like us. We got a face for podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Jason even told me that <laughs> yesterday. How's it going? Thank you so much. Appreciate that. So do you, man. Yeah. Um, I was, so, how, was, how was the crowd in Red Deer? The crowd was lighter than the usual winter crowd. But we can thank COVID for that, for shutting everything down in the winter. And then, uh-huh. yeah. So it wasn't as full as it would be in, or has been previously in the winter. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get back on a winter date there for Red Deer next year and get to really kick some ass. But the crowd was still loud. They we still had a good show. Like I said, they rode a few bulls. It started off a little slower and picked up uh-huh. further along. Uh, but they the guys rode well at the end, capped it off the right way. So that was okay. good. How far? How far? Like some good, putting some rides together goes. Oh, big time! Yeah, and it doesn't matter for guys like sixty five or like ninety. Like the if ride, somebody so. stays on, you're gonna have the yeah. excitement. So. That happened in PA at Tanner's. They rode the first three bulls on the second day and then didn't ride anything again to the short rounds. So it's like 25 or 26 straight buck offs. Mm-hmm. I was talking with Rob Schmidt after, and he's just like, it's so hard for the announcers because you got to get the people hyped up. And then it's like, oh, another buck off. Oh, another buck off. It's so hard. And to how do you, there. how do you nicely say, oh, he tried really hard, but he fell off. <laughs> you can only say it so many times, spin it so many ways. So, so many different ways. Yeah. It's, 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 if a person person doesn't really really sometimes you, you take for granted the night when you have a lot of rides i i'm with you uh um, yeah yeah good show though good to see jake uh you know was on a show that last week and then gets uh he won grand prairie you. yeah one grand prairie and then wins there and and yeah that guy rides really well i'm i'm happy for him happy to see him do good and uh right. looking forward to the next one so this show's out on Wednesday, the 15th of June. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then Friday morning, I fly to Brandon, Manitoba. Apparently, we got a sold-out show we're going into there. And Brandon haven't had the PBR. You guys are going to have a banger show there. Yeah, People in Brandon love awesome. Bull Rider. They I love bet it it's going to be a great one. So let, that, looking yeah. forward to that. 
Then I'm home for like, uh, well, I get home Sunday that we do our next podcast on the 20th. Got a special guest joining us for our June 29th show. And then uh, the 22nd of the morning of that, I fly over to Regina, do the show that night, and then come back to the 23rd. Then the 24th, I go to Pinoca. So where, we're you, kinda... where do you fly that weekend? You, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, sorry. Brandon this weekend. Then I'm in Regina on Wednesday, the 22nd, for another one of our Cup Series events during nice. the farm show. And then come back the Thursday, the 23rd, and then I go to Pinoca on the 24th. And then I'll be in Pinoca till the 3rd of July. So Big rip in Pinoca. Cowboy Christmas is upon us. That'll be cool, though. How stoked are you for Pinoca? Pardon? How stoked are you for Pinoca? I'm excited about that one. And I like these I like these uh, PBR events, too. I'm a, I'm a fan of all these. And fan of the rodeos, like, geez, I've only been to, what, Grand Prairie and Grand Prairie Aggie Days and Red Deer so far. So, like, I only worked three events. It's kind of weird getting back into it a little bit. So, you've got more perfs in than me this year, I think, already. So, we're... Uh... That's been a big three weeks, past three weeks here for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you had a little bit of a... Uh breakdown you've been you've been preparing uh dig- diligently for a, a big marathon i had in my notes here <laughs> 15th. so yeah. there was a marathon the this, wheels this are kind of marathon. falling off this was supposed the to wheel- be a marathon preview show yeah how are you doing there, not much to preview the wheels fell off it's one of those it's uh i'm not happy with myself but i've been just discussing conversing with jen over the past couple of weeks and yeah, my preparation just with how much, just how, how busy the spring has gotten, uh, as much as we've been on the road, it's been hard to properly prepare. So I don't want to hurt myself by going through. I'm, I am bowing out. Oh, so you're officially bowing out of the marathon? Officially bowing out. It's, I'm not proud of it, but it's for the, for the sake of my almost 30 year old body. When was yeah. it supposed to be? The 18th? Sunday, the 19th. 19th. So no dice, no marathon. No dice. Yeah, I suck. I'm not happy with myself, but hey. Things happen, things change, things get busy. And like, like we say, it's been a busy spring. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the preview. Sorry, folks. I suck. That's okay. We'll forgive you. Uh, but we've got some new cowboy shit coming in. Uh, I picked a little bit of it up the other day, uh, like on Friday afternoon. And so, yeah, tomorrow, Monday, we'll be, when you get home with the trailer, we'll be taking it, unloading a few things and then getting the, uh, getting the new stuff to the warehouse. It's, it's, our, it's a big enough set of stuff this time that it won't fit in any of our vehicles. So we have to bring the trailer for the first time. So there's a lot of merchandise heading to the warehouse Monday and we'll have a bunch of it out. out uh, you're going to go up there Tuesday, I think is your plan. The plan. Thursday. 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 Okay. So Thursday we're going to get some stuff done. No, Tuesday does not work. No, Tuesday doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to do Dark. some stuff. Going to do some stuff. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening to uh, episode 119 we'll be back with our guest after this and uh and visit with y'all some more so thanks for listening this is cowboy show with ted and wacy i'm ted he's wacy we'll uh, we'll catch up soon i am an old woman named after my mother my old man is another child
He's an eight-time Wrangler NFR qualifier, making three appearances in the last four years, a 12-time Canadian champion from one of the most illustrious families in the Western world of sports. Always met on the best horses in the world. He's ridden and raised some of the greats like Willie, Wrangler, Deuce, and Tyson, having amassed over $2 million in career earnings. From Donalda, Alberta, please welcome Curtis Cassidy. Might be one of the best intros you've ever written, Ted. You like that? Yeah, one of the best ever. I had a question mark in the middle of it though. And I almost read the question mark part because I forgot to confirm the, the raised part on the horses. Have you, did you buy some of those horses? Did you raise them? What's the story on, on the greats there? You've had, uh, had a lot of them, Curtis, your family's been well-mounted. Um, about the only one we raised was deuce. Most of the rest of them were horses. We just acquired. I mean, every which way you could acquire them, horse sales, um, word of mouth, uh, just, internet you name it we just found them randomly they fell into our hands somehow and some made it some turned into haze horses some turned into steer and horses and yeah just kind of whole whole long process with all them horses but they, it's uh yeah it's just a matter of starting them trying them see if they actually like steer wrestling and want to run by and then if they don't like steer wrestling they usually find a different venue barrels calves hazing team roping whatever so it's not totally a lie to say you raised you raised one out of the out of those few so that's all right then not bad wacy go ahead so what are you looking for when you're picking out a steer wrestling prospect or what like what are like are they like a certain build or a certain whatever is there like a a breeding that's kind of like you know the barrel racers have their like breeding programs or there's specific breedings that they like for when it comes to horses well, I was going to say that's the, that's the number one thing is uh, breeding. You got to start there and look at their papers. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good at steer wrestling, but it, it's a good place to start. And if you kind of go back over the years and look at the great horses, damn near every one of them has some good bloodlines on their papers somewhere. And, and mostly I'll run them blood in the steer wrestling greats that have, that have been in the rodeo world over the years, the, uh, I think the barrel racers have obviously taken that to a whole new level, the following the bloodlines and all that. And it's, I think it definitely proves itself. And I mean, I wouldn't say I've copied the barrel racers, but I definitely uh, have learned a lot about bloodlines from barrel racers and whatnot. And we all spend enough time around them. You're bound to learn something eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So then when you're, when you're working with a new horse, how long does it take for you to to realize if he's going to make it or not, if he's going to be one that's going to work for you? I mean, you can honestly usually tell fairly soon, like you kind of, you got to get them half broken, riding around decent and get them box broke, trailing some cattle, all that stuff and, and kind of paying attention and knowing their job a little bit. But it's uh, honestly seems like them horses that want to be good at serious and they just, you jump on them. A lot of them are kind of on the muscle on go and, and uh, more of a, they kind of got that racy type feel to them compared to, the horses I would say that don't make it, they uh, want to be more backed off, um, kind of watch cattle, keep them in front of them and don't really want to pass them. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a cow horse or a running horse. I've had cow horses that cow bred horses that also want to um, run by, but it, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, I would say five, six practices and running them by some steers or calves, whatever. And you can honestly, you got a pretty good idea if they're going to like it or not. Well, then, and then, so the next question is going to be like, are you using your good horses? Like when you're not on the road, like, are you keeping like having them do other jobs and stuff? I know when we talked to Vanessa, 
Salisbury, she emphasized how she keeps her horses like doing other jobs rather than just barrel racing all the time or et cetera. I mean, no, I mean, Willie and Tyson over the years definitely didn't, they were just steer wrestling horses. And I mean, yeah, we can jump on them and take them for a ride through the, through the coulee or pasture, chase cattle, whatever you want to do on them. But we don't make a habit of doing that for sure. It's just more exercising them, keeping them in shape. And um, every once in a while, we'll take them to the press pen, do a little tuning on them, put the odd, the odd run on them on a good steer, that type of stuff. But no, we don't, we don't do a lot of, of other stuff with stressing horses. Once they, once they, I mean, once they get good, I mean, in training and up until that point, yeah, we'll use them, you know, pasture open on them, brandings, just whatever, ride them in the mountains, pack horses, <laughs> they get a little bit of everything, but once they get good, yeah, we definitely, that's their, their main job is just steer us and just keep them in shape for that. So, so you go, going back to horse acquisitions and there had to be a bit of horse trading. So I got to ask what your best horse trading story might be. There's probably a decent one in there. I know, uh, the other day, Jake Vold, I was at his place, picked up some bison meat from him. And he said, it's kind of like a currency. He's, he was using it to pay a guy for some electrician bills, build a barn and whatnot. We're talking about horse trading. So I got, I got to ask about that. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely, uh, horses over the years have paid for lots of different stuff. Um, but yeah, the, probably my best horse trading story is, uh, my rookie year, I bought a horse from Art Glay, um, and I paid 35,000 for him. And there was a lot of people that thought I was basically effing crazy for paying that much for a horse, but the horse, I got to ride him for about a year before I purchased him. And I won a lot of money on him, amateur rodeo, and then made the CFR on my first year as a rookie pro rodeo. And then he just felt like he had all the tools. And so I bought the horse for 35,000. Um, started rodeoing with Blair Burke in the States and a few years down the road, Blair had been riding them and offered me some money and wanted to buy, buy him. But I knew I was a young guy needed a good horse and I didn't really want to sell him. And yeah, they, uh, ended up Blair Burke won, uh, the carrier stampede on this horse. And he had offered me 50,000 for the horse before that. And I believe the exchange rate was about a buck 50 back then. So long story short, I ended up just selling the damn horse to Blair for the 50,000 he won at Calgary and the 50,000 US that he had offered me before that. <laughs> and I'd say that's probably my best horse trade, trading story that I have. Dang, that's I think that's one. the highest selling calf horse in Canada to date too. So a hundred thousand, like a hundred and some, is that what it was or 50? So it was, 50,000 US, which the exchange is a dollar 50. Yeah, so and then, 75. So then, and the 50,000 from Calgary Stampede at that time. So yeah, it's about 125 Canadian or whatever. Not a bad return on your investment when folks are telling you you're nuts. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Dang. So that would have been, uh, I'm just looking at your first time you made the uh, the CFR, would have been 97. Is that when that would have been? 97, yes. 97. So, and that was the, that was the year I like, I got to go back though to Wacy the storyline you were on on the horses. So I got to go talk about that. Um, I got a, a horse more. question too. And yeah, when go you, ahead. When you go, um, you go ways. So obviously it's your wrestling too. Like I think more than most of the, the timed events, you guys have a lot of people mounting other folks, horses and all kind of stuff. So with you guys and the amount of like amazing horses you've, you guys have put out there, have you had to like beat people off of the stick from mount like, using your horses at rodeos and stuff or how, how does that go? I mean, 
certain rodeos, yeah, there you get <laughs> CFRs, the carrier stampedes. Um, uh, and I mean, there's lots of rodeos in the U.S. as well. But yeah, there's definitely been, I mean, sometimes it's kind of, if you're traveling with a group of four guys and there's always, there's four guys riding the same horse, kind of, I mean, most everybody knows that you only put about four runs on your horse. But there's been times that, yeah, you've had like, I mean, I think I got about six or eight guys mounted at the Calgary Stampede this year, and I think I've had a lot more than that ask. But, yeah, you kind of got to – definitely got to always be looking out for your horse's best interest too because Hand Hills, for example, you don't really want to mount a lot of guys on your horse because it's not no. going to – if they win, they're going to pay you like 300 mount money. But Calgary Stampede, if they win first, it's significantly more. So, yeah, mm. you're, you're more apt to mount some guys there. So how often are you telling guys no? Because we talked to Jake Gardner on our last episode, and he was talking about how like some like there'll be times <laughs> if a guy doesn't do a good enough job on their horse, they'll eventually get told no. And they when he come they come a call to to ride. So curious about that. It's funny that you bring his name up because he's the last guy that I told no. <laughs> 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 I already had three guys on at Bonneville, oh, and he would have been four, and I probably should have let him ride, but I was like, ah. Tyson's kind of been semi-retired for the last month and hasn't had too much exercise or run, so probably should just keep it at three. But, yeah, he was actually the last guy that I told no, so that's a funny story. That's hilarious because we talked to him on, like, Tuesday and he yeah. went to Bonneville that weekend. We quizzed him on that. We are like, so what's it like when they say no? And he was trying to tell us that nobody says no to him. So, Ooh, sorry about that, dude. Myth, myth busted. <laughs> so, basically, you only say no to the rough stock guys, eh? Yeah. There's only a couple I was gonna, Jake always <laughs> – He's a typical rough stock guy, always bumming rides off us, stealing a bed off of us, stealing mounts yeah. off of goddamn bull riders. <laughs> that, so, okay, can you? We were talking about it uh, with the, on the episode with Jake too, like how there's like the bull riders and this steer wrestler seem to have like the best relationship between all the events within the sport. Um, would you agree with that, or what do you? Or who would you like? Who is your other favorite event aside from the events you do? When we're down south, there's it seems like we're always it's the steer wrestlers and bull riders that are hanging out with yeah maybe calf will be the next event that i hang out with because i i rope calves and whatnot but i definitely yeah. like hacking on calf ropers and team ropers a lot because <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 not uh they don't have the camaraderie the steer wrestlers do like i'll give you an example bonnieville i was the last guy out on uh on Saturday night and there was not one calf roper standing in the box with me or anything like that. Not one guy told me I got out on the barrier, not anything. I was also the last guy on the steer wrestling. and there's a bunch of guys hollering. I got out and good job, good run, all that stuff. So yeah. that's kind of an example right there. <laughs> well, and we could, we could go on this Bonneville <laughs> conversation for a bit. Cause that thing, I heard it was uh, quite the show this last weekend. We had a friend there and uh, it was interesting. Dressing went out like at about 1 a.m. I think. Hey, <laughs> yeah, the first night was 1 a.m., but the the second night they, I mean, it was a 110 percent turnaround. They did a, they actually did a really good job with the rodeo the second night. They run it off fast, and I I wouldn't doubt it's probably just two hour rodeo the second night. It was a lot better, put it that way. And then of course with breakaway and everything else, it's a lot of events they have to run through as well. But yeah, they, the second night they damn sure did a good job. They had the ground better watered down. The, the steer sorters knew what splits were and <laughs> probably less, a little less rough stock the second night too. But yeah, it went good the second night, but the, the first night was a marathon. 
Oh, that's good to hear. Well, so I guess we got a couple of questions here. We should probably get to Wazy. So one thing, one thing that came to mind when we were talking about mount money and whatnot, because there's no there's no guaranteed pay for somebody riding your horse really very often, is there? Or is it all just on winnings? No, I mean, there's the odd guy that's appreciative for riding your horse. They'll buy you a steak, buy you a case of beer, bottle of whiskey, whatever, you know. But, I mean, no, typically if they don't win, you don't get paid. So, yeah, it's and, it, and if, if they do win some, it's 25%. So, like I was saying, I don't want to pick on Hand Hills, but, like, if, if you were to win Hand Hills, for example, you'd only get about $300 mount money for what that would pay. So, that's why I don't really like hauling my good horse to rodeos like that because it's – it's not a good place to put runs on your horse because you're not going to get paid even if they do win very much. Didn't but, you win yeah, handhills this year? And them kind of places. They... I did, yeah. I'm the one that has to pay there because I was <laughs> Stephen Collins. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the second my horse appointed a little even out. That's perfect. Yeah. So, so, but then the other part of it that a lot of folks don't think about much or don't uh, don't realize is that you got to. Uh, slipped the hazer a bit of cash too, right? Isn't that 12 and a half or, or seven and a half? Or what was the, yeah. there's something for them too, right? Yeah. 12 and a half for the hazer. And if some more times than not up here in Canada, if the, if the hazer, excuse me, just jumps on the horse, um, you usually don't, in Canada, we usually don't pay each other if you just jump on the horse and haze. But a lot of times in the States, if you jump on a guy's haze horse and haze for him, they'll pay you a 16th. Um, so it's a little extra cash once in a while that, that helps out, I guess. But I mean, I, I don't ever charge anybody and I don't ever charge anybody for jumping on my horse and hazing for them and then vice versa. So it just kind of all evens out. So on that thread though, the steer wrestling is almost technically partially a team event that doesn't get the extra pay for how much extra there is involved. Although the mount money is technically if you have your own horse, you don't have to pay mount money. So that's technically almost, you can't really call that extra prize, but then the hazer, like they're a pretty big part of the team. Like it might be a secondary position, but like if that hazer screws up, you're not winning any money. It's not quite like team roping, but it's incredibly important. The hazes are definitely the unsung heroes. Like a good haze to a bad haze can, you can go from having a great day to having a terrible day just on the haze. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge huge part of the event, the haze for sure, and it and it it's not just I mean it is the haze, but it's it's the confidence the bowler has when you have somebody on the other side that you trust as well that you know is gonna line them up good for you, and it's you hear Joe Beaver and uh, different guys on on TV you know during the NFR and the some haze will jump up there and bump a steer and make a great haze and all this stuff and. They're like, oh, that was a good job. That was a hell of a hazer and whatnot. But my favorite hazers are the ones that are out there doing their job that don't get noticed because I'm a firm believer that if you're up there in the picture where you're supposed to be, you hardly ever have to bump a steer or do anything. You just literally ride down the arena and guide the steer into the guy's arms. And a lot of people don't know that stuff about steer wrestling, but yeah, I'm kind of putting it out there right now the the best hazers are the ones that don't get noticed <laughs> kind of just like bullfighting same kind of thing anyways yeah, like yeah. bullfighting or even other sports too like if you don't notice a certain position like a defenseman in hockey if you're not, not noticing them it's not necessarily a bad thing it's probably he's doing a good job of what he's up yeah, to probably doing a good job and where he's supposed to be at the right times and all that 
So then when, when guys are riding your horses, are you hazing for them or do you, do you haze quite a bit or? Yeah. I mean, I typically, if somebody's riding my horse, I try to haze, but I mean, if, if Cody's there or Tanner Milan, Bailey Milan, or guys like that, you know, I'll, I might just run my steer and, and if they're already on haze and I'll just leave them on to haze for everybody as well too. So it, I mean, typically I do jump on, but yeah, the, there's some other guys I'll just let them do all the haze and sometimes just, because, well, sometimes I just don't feel like it. I'll switch it up with somebody else's haze. <laughs> who's, who's somebody you would not let haze for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd probably let Chance if I was in a pickle, but I just like backing on Chance. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, What's there's the... probably several guys I wouldn't let haze, but... He's Chance's first, Chance first on the list. Be a long <laughs> So have you, is the is plan this summer to, to keep heading down south or are you going to focus mainly, mainly in Canada or how is the season shaping up for 2022? Um, I mean, we're staying up here the next couple of weeks and then after Stavely and Innisfail that weekend, we're up in Reno Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, the next week in Greeley, come back up here for Wainwright Sundry High River, uh, go to Pinoco, Williams Lake, then back south for the fourth, go to St. Paul, Eugene, Malala, come back to... Uh, Hopefully, Pinocchio Short go on the third, and then uh, Livingston, Montana on the fourth, and then uh, Big Fork, Montana on the fifth, and then back up here for Calgary the eighth. I didn't get into Calgary, but I'm bringing Tyson back up here for Calgary. And then, so how much how much is the cost of travel factored into this season? Is that added a bit more pressure onto the guys? Like going around, I, I was driving through BC a couple weeks ago, and it was two dollars and fifteen cents for a liter of regular fuel. Like that's a huge yeah. cost for you guys now. It's yeah, that's kind of. A couple of weeks ago, the May long, we went to uh, Reading and we just took a pickup down there and borrowed Jesse Brown's horses because it was, yeah, it was to take horses all the way down their back was going to cost a fortune. And so, I mean, it's going to be super important for the summer to have four guys in the rig splitting fuel and all that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's high and it's going to cost. So I think a guy's going to have to probably adjust how you rodeo a little bit too, not probably not do as much driving and, and probably, you know, kind of, we'll probably leave a rig in the Northwest and then Cody and Stephen Culling and whatnot will have some horses up here in Canada and we'll, we'll uh, probably just have a little runaround pickup that we'll rip back and forth in between the two to help out a little bit. Well, and you're, uh, so you're 33rd in the world standings here today. It says you got just under 17,001. And, uh, but you got 7,000 of that one in, uh, just in Canada and most of it should count. Right. So. Yeah, I think all of it. They actually, I should have about 20,000, I think, or just over 20. They, they don't have a little bit of my Regina money in there. And then, uh, of course this money from the past weekend isn't in there yet either, but okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter this time of year where you're at the stand. It's a matter of being in there October 1st, but yeah, lots of rodeos left to go to and it's all, from this point on, it's all about having a good summer. Yeah, the next, honestly, the next five or six weeks kind of determine what the next, what the rest rest of the season looks like, right? If depending on how things are at, kind of Calgary time is kind of a big stepping stone as far as the year goes, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, last year, I had thirteen thousand one, I think, going into Calgary, and like I was. I was honestly thinking about just hanging them up and just rodeoing in Canada for the rest of the summer and just staying up here and not even rodeoing hard. And then, uh, 
I went ended up winning 20,000 in Canada and I was within six or eight grand of the top 15. And I had a hell of a summer still wasn't in the top 15. It took till the very last row of the year, Salinas and got, got in the top 15 by 150 bucks. So, I mean, I think that's the, the most I've rode. I've never been in the top 15. I literally, it was September 30th and I was finally had squeaked in the top 15, but I mean, a guy doesn't love to do it that way, but however you can get in the top 15 is always ideal. What do you contribute to your, you know, I, I would say a lot of success in the last few years to make the NFR through the last four years is one of your, one of your better stretches in your career. What, what do you contribute that to? I mean, obviously having Tyson and he's kind of at the peak of his career right now uh, is one thing. And then of course, having the experience and everything that I've had over the years definitely helps too. But then I think the other help, the thing that helps a lot is uh, having a good crew of guys to rodeo with. And past few years, I've had uh, a good group of traveling partners and, and uh, like, you know, Jesse Brown's one of them, like Tanner's made the NFR, Scott Gunther's made the NFR, Jesse Brown's made it the past couple of years. And then this year we're rodeoing with JD Struxness as well. So, and all riding Tyson and, and yeah, it, having a good crew of guys that can push each other to be better every day, I think is super important. If uh, I think you can get a little lax at times, if you're not ro rodeoing with a, a good group of guys that, to, that push each other to be better every day. So yeah, I, th I think that more than anything has, has been what's helped me the past few years. The uh, one of the questions I had wrote down was all around versus high point with the high point being a uh, title you've won many times in Canada, what are your thoughts on the change this year where, where the all around in Canada is now mirroring how it is in the U S it's the top two events. That's your all around champion. What are your thoughts on the all around versus high point? Did we have it wrong the whole time? Is it, uh, is it correct now? Uh, what do you think? I got two things to say about that. I, th I think there should be just like the Linderman award in the States. I think there should be a Tom Buse awards award up here in Canada, for example, that does both ends of the arena, but it's actually Kenny McLean. I just saw it the other day. It's they they're doing it. It's, they're making it Kenny McLean. Yeah, that would be a, he was probably, yeah, he made the NFR in both events. So that might even be a, a better guy, but yeah, it's definitely, it's a, I mean, it's a better somebody to have to do both ends of the arena and win that award, but I'm pretty sure you don't have to look too far to hear about guys like Stetson Vest or Brazil or Ty Murray. Like they're the, most famous guys there are or i shouldn't i mean stetson right not best but they're the most famous guys there are in rodeo the all-around guys so yes i think the all-around is the way it's supposed to be now for sure so yeah so jake gardner is winning the kenny mclean award right now you've got to uh kenny mclean award will be decided based on season earnings to be eligible contestant must place at three separate rodeos in a riding event and three separate rodeos in a time event so jake gardner it's only me he's already qualified so Pretty cool that way. And then on the all-around side, Morgan Grant leading the way, Riley Warren right behind him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's – like I said, uh, it's it's been a long time coming, I I feel like. But it – and I feel like nobody really understood the high point either compared to the all-around. And and it, I think – I think this will simplify it and it will be more of a race that – especially guys like you doing podcasts and everything else can actually be like, Hey, so-and-so's winning the all around by 5,000, but so-and-so has got a chance to catch them last day of the CFR. And it'll, 
I think it'll be put more emphasis on the, the all around race than it used to be. I think, and I think this is messed up too, because if Jake has already qualified for the Kenny McLean award based on the standings, then he should be in the all around too. So I don't know if one doesn't let you go in the other, but, or if they're only showing two right now, but you should, you should be, if you're in one, you should be in the other, right? I think he's qualified. Oh, maybe maybe they got it messed up. I think they're screwed. You have to place three times in each event to be qualified and, Unless I've been not paying attention close enough, I don't think he's placed three times in the steer wrestling. Okay. <laughs> so they don't have it quite right. I mean, he will. He will without a doubt, but yeah. Okay. I, I don't I don't think he's qualified yet. That's, yeah, a, that's an interesting point that. you made about the competitiveness, though, of the all-around. That's one thing we talked about with Jake was, like, in the past probably three or four years, it's been decided before the CFR has even started. Because <clears throat> some like, those guys are making it in the one end of the arena, but not in the other. So... But you need to see, like you say, come down to the wire, like last day to see a far for guys a chance to, to kind of make some moves and, and get the title. I think it'll be a bit more of exciting of a race for people to follow along with. I'm, I'm honestly excited for the guys like uh, uh, Ben Anderson is getting on some bareback horses now. That <laughs> he's the top stock into the arena, but he's qualified, going to try and qualify for the all around. Like, I'm excited for the guys like that too. That, I mean, before they would wouldn't have qualified for the all round, but now they do. And it's yeah, just because lots of guys do two time events, but I mean, I'm, I think there'll be, you'll see more guys do two rough stock events now because of it. Yeah. I think it's going to, yeah, it's going to make it an exciting race. I wish I was 15 years younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It'd be nice to have the all around titles on the, on the resume. Uh, Rather not, not that it's a high point, but the all around is kind of the elite, like you said, the most famous guys. It's the it's the top award. It's the it's the buckle to win at the end of the year. So it would have been yeah. might have been a little bit of a different deal. But um, so do you? Well, I guess going back to That's that, do you do you wish they would have changed it a long time ago? Oh, I mean, I definitely do, and <laughs> I don't know if this is a good or bad thing to say, but my dad said years ago that they'll never change the all round in Canada until Jack Danes passes on, and be damned if he wasn't right. Holy shit. <laughs> and I don't wow. know if Jack had that much to do with it or not, but oh, my damn. dad told me that literally before I even started rodeo and that it would never be changed as long as Jack was alive because no he shit. would not let it happen. Really? And he just wanted it to be that much different, eh? Like that was the deal. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, back in Jack's day and all that stuff, there was guys did multiple events at both ends of the arena and stuff. And, and it, obviously he had a lot of influence in rodeo throughout his years too, but... Yeah, my dad did tell me that, and I was like, no way, it'll get changed before that. But he was I was right. going to throw one other comment out, out there, though. Uh, that's why I like Bob Tallman, because he always calls me the Canadian all-around champion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Wace. You had one there, too. Oh, I was going to ask if, if it was like, has it been in the conversation for the past like number of years, or is it just kind of something that's come up now, or have you guys been pushing to get it changed? Or I mean, I wouldn't say it's been uh, – it's been on the table, but it hasn't been obviously, especially with all this COVID BS going on, there's been a lot on the table of other things ahead of that. But yeah, it, it, uh, I guess it finally got thrown on the table and the directors and the board agreed to it to change it and got it passed through. So no, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a an exciting event for people to watch CFR and stuff like that too, is there'll be a, I think it'll be a lot of guys qualified in both, both ends of the arena for it. So, I mean, we have so many guys who are handy dudes, like in multiple events. I think it's going to be a really competitive and tight race all the way through the season. 
Oh yeah, like in like just like Bo Cooper and uh, Clayton Smith last weekend, they placed the two rodeos in the team rope, and if it wasn't for the high point being switched to an all around, it they wouldn't even bothered entering team rope this year. But yeah, so you're getting it's helping entries too because I've actually got stuck team rope, and I'm definitely helping out uh, Colton Schmidt and. Jeremy Bueller and all them guys with entry fee money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then uh, even, uh, oh, geez, what the heck? Oh, Kyle Wanchuk. So Kyle Wanchuk, I think they, uh, where'd they win? Didn't they just win somewhere and won a bunch of money? Uh, I just saw his name on here on the permit standings. Kyle Wanchuk, 4100 bucks with Levi Schmidt. So so Kyle, can he didn't he win the college finals in the Bronx riding too? So that, there's a guy that could be in the all-around here coming yeah. up the next little bit as well. But there was some issue that, he can't enter the bronc riding because of a permit thing, or I don't know what the issue was. Rick was telling me about it in Grand Prairie, so I don't know the whole story there. But yeah, they've probably got limited to lots of these rodeos don't even take permits in the rough stock. Okay, I was I would assume that's what the issue is. Okay, but so it, he'll probably until he gets onto his semi pro heel, which now that he's won that much in the in the team rope, he should be able to buy a semi pro and then start entering these in the bronc riding too. I would think. Well, and then technically, wouldn't a lady be able to win the all-around in the breakaway and the barrel racing? I mean, yes. I just don't know if uh, they count the breakaway yet as a major event or not. Oh, maybe they yeah. do, maybe they don't. I don't even. I couldn't even give you a straight answer there. But if it's considered a major event, then yes, I would assume it would count as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. so that uh, that Nellie Miller last weekend <laughs> down there in uh, Santa Maria, she was the fastest time in the barrels and the fastest time in the. Uh, breakaway that night at Santa Maria, whatever night she wow. was up to. She's won the all-around at uh, Red Bluff at her hometown rodeo before, too. So, yeah, cool. I, mean, I guess it could could happen. Well, we uh, have, like, like, like Lakota Bird could do that easy because she, like, places in the barrel racing consistently, and she's one of the toughest when it comes to the breakaway roping. Like, well, shouldn't be long, if, it, if that's the case, shouldn't be won't be long before we see her doing that kind of stuff. No, and then the other thing I was just thinking is the uh, – if you have a badass barrel horse, you can – dominate and win seventy thousand in a regular season in canada that you can't in our events yeah so we went yeah, out that's true out for- <laughs> that'd be kind of neat to have a canadian all-around champion be a lady that'd be kind of yeah. wild um okay let's get back to a couple of these pieces ways you got something here you want me to jump in here for you a go bit? ahead go ahead man yeah okay i think uh, i want to go a couple uh a couple more story go down the story road here a little bit talking about uh some of the better traveling stories if you ever got left anywhere ever had to leave anybody then I think uh, been haven't been around it for a few years. Some of the best cabarets, worst traveling partners. I think I saw a comment about somebody not driving a while ago. So there's got to be there's got to be a any few ditch uh, fights. Yeah, any four ditch dudes fights? traveling a truck. There's got to be yeah. a ditch fight. Ditch fight. ourselves when we get fighting, but it's funny you bring that up because last fall there was about eight of the top fifteen steer wrestlers were fighting in the. Ellensburg beer stand. Of course, we were gone to a rodeo in Canada that weekend. We missed it all, but yeah, it does happen occasionally, but we try not to <laughs> try to resolve it before it comes to that point. Oh, fair enough. But I mean, best beer stand probably would have had to been Clover Cloverdale back in the day, as far as Canadian rodeos go. Yeah, Red um, Barn. I don't know. I'm not sure which one would be the worst beer stand out there, but. Obviously, have you ever had to like partner. jump in for like some like bull riders or 
calf ropers or team ropers or anything in a, in a like a scrum at a cabaret. That's what I always used to make good friends with the steer wrestler guys. Like, like when, uh, like Dusty Walker and, and, uh, JD Hazel, those guys used to see CCA rodeo. I always used to like BS with them. And, and every time we're at the dance, you always feel safe. Cause you have the steer wrestlers there having your back. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it has definitely happened from time to time. There's a little scrum to break out. Cause obviously bull riders are typically young and they like to be a little mouthy at times. <laughs> <laughs> But we still back them up no matter if they're right or wrong. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> the best part about those two is because they usually kick out the guys from town and get let the cowboys stick around the dance. My favorite. Yep, typically they do. <laughs> and so, then my brother and Scott Schiffer got the big brawl at, uh, <laughs> at the Red Barn one time. And I'm sure you know the cultural differences in there, but <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, there was stuff everywhere. <laughs> Oh dear! What would what would Cody and Scott have a fight over? I can't even imagine what they would mad at each other. They were on right the same team, but they were just fighting with the locals. Oh, okay, <laughs> I yeah. see. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't a cowboy on cowboy fight. What's the best cowboy on cowboy fight you've seen? There's probably got to oh be my God. a good one of those dust ups too. Cowboy on cowboy, damn. <laughs> I'm not sure which will be the best one. I'd have to do some investigating and get back to you on that. I have to think about it. Of all the okay, of all the C wrestlers going right now, who would have the best like even just wrestling match? Who would win in a leg wrestling match between the top steer wrestlers in Canada right now? Who'd be the champion? Scott Gunther is kind of the famous leg wrestler. Um, <laughs> he uh, and well, he's yeah fast at running too. He uh, he's beat several guys in uh, foot races as well. <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. You guys probably don't know Ringo Robinson, but he was entered up here last weekend and he used to play football um, for, I don't know, one of them big colleges in the States. He's pretty athletic and his legs are like tree trunks. And yeah, he's always bugging Scott to leg wrestle and all that stuff. And yeah, Scott whipped him in two seconds. No way. That's <laughs> really? Awesome. I, I saw his name in the standings. You guys were close by on the last update there. I thought that was a sweet name to have a guy named Ringo in the steer wrestling standings. <laughs> A decent name yeah yeah um okay so you crossed uh two million dollars in career earnings this year uh do you, did you know where you were at on that where uh where were you where did it happen i don't i don't know where, where it was now i honestly thought i crossed the two million in uh in 2020 at the nfr that year i thought but then here last year's somewhere that i was rodeo and they said i went over the two million dollar mark so i don't know which rodeo it was exactly or what the heck the standings were but <clears throat> i wish um i wish my cfr money and my uh calgary money from the last 15 years counted because then it'd be up over three million yeah but still pretty cool regardless it puts you in in a fairly small category well that'd be like probably top i don't i don't even know if the prca has a list of top earners ever but you'd be uh right up in it top 50 probably i don't even know where you'd see that I don't know where to find that information. I've never, uh, I've never looked up that list or anything like that. I don't even know if they have it in a media guide or not, but I think they do actually. I think I'm about to look at that. I bet you'd be top 50 though, but with, with even with 2 million, and if you had three, you'd be even higher up, but um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to PRC and tell them to back to earnings from the CFR in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Count those ones. I'm going to have to look at the media guide here in a sec, but um, okay. So I was going back to the, the uh, Mount, like the mount side of things, like 
and with the, having the horses, all these great horses over the years, to ha- have have you made more or have the horses made more? Like, who's the top earner actually? <laughs> no, the the horses for sure. I mean, they always used to say Willie won, Willie's won four million or whatever, which and we I wish we'd have kept track of it because he probably won a lot more than that. I don't even know how much it would have been, but I mean. Willie, for example, I won over a million on him just myself, oh, let wow. alone the other guys that how much Man. the other guys won on him in 15 years. And then, for example, like I believe in uh, I believe in 20 or something like that, whatever year we had the last CFR, we won like a hundred thousand at Calgary on uh, Tyson, we won a hundred thousand on him at CFR, and then won two hundred thousand on him at the uh, at the NFR. So, I mean. Yeah, there's no telling how much was actually one of them if if you were to actually keep track of it. Well, I guess I never thought about it, but there's four runs for a horse at a rodeo or four different guys where you're only one guy. So it's kind of simple math. It's four four times. He had four times the chances to win than you did too. If you could enter four times, you might have won as much as he did, but it makes sense. Yeah, and then, you know, like lots of years, you got two, three guys in the NFR, like, Tyson's had Tyson's actually had three years, I believe, at the CFR. He's had five guys, which is almost unheard of for horses up here in Canada. But he uh I mean the only reason I mounted five guys on is because I knew he could handle it and wouldn't blow up. And and uh yeah, he so I mean like I said, should should have kept track of it, never have. But yeah, there's it, like I said, there's probably probably more money on one on than a guy even realizes. Jeez. Well, if you and if you have the best horses too, you're gonna to have the best guys wanting to ride them. So even there, your chances of winning go up even higher at that point. Well, exactly. You got if you got one of the best horses out there, and then you put the best guys on them, they're they're gonna win their fair share. Yeah. Um, like just like last fall, uh, Ty Erickson rode Tyson at Puyallup and never rode him before in his life. Just jumped on him and won the whole rodeo. And yes, yeah, so, I mean it's just. It's just just how the horse is. He's just easy, and you put the top guys on him, they're going to win for sure. Well, have you been keeping track of Tyson's earnings then? No, I definitely <laughs> haven't. <laughs> I have some small stats from here and there, but I definitely don't know. I think we started riding him in about 16, but, yeah, I don't know exactly what the heck they would they would be for sure. But then, of course, I mean, his earnings compared to Willie's, there's way more prize money out there now than there was yeah. 20 years ago or whatever. So that, that makes a difference as well. How does it, I shouldn't uh, say there's more prize money out there, but there's more at the finals. The, the numbers are higher. They're bigger numbers now. It's been, it's been like 15 years, right? Or no, 10 years. I don't even know. I don't it's, remember now. It's really... Yeah. Since yeah, that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, we rode Willie at the NFR in 10, and then we use him just randomly a few places here and there in 11. Then he's pretty much – I don't think we rode him anywhere in 12. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I got my trusted media guide out, and it's from 2017, so it's a little old. But a couple little numbers to throw at you. So the, so this is Pro Rodeo Career Earnings Records, and this is after 2016 because I don't think I have any newer media guides. But on this list – Curtis Cassidy's number 50 on the list with 1.537 million. Uh, other Canadians on the list uh, nearby, Lee Graves is 47th on here. And um, Glenn O'Neill, kind of Canadian, 
45th on the list. Then uh, just for just for fun, uh, you've now passed Ty Murray, who was number 27 on the list with 1.9 in career earnings. I said that guy won a lot. Yeah, he won a lot, and you've already won more than him. Take that, Ty Murray. Um, but the top <laughs> top Canadian on the list here so far, based on just pro rodeo earnings, uh, Rod Hay on this list from 2016, uh, he had 2.3 in PRC earnings. So, and top of the list, Trevor Brazil, six six million bucks, which is almost double what number two Cody O had at 3.5. But looking at this, uh, Luke Branquino looks to be the top uh, bulldogger at number 15. And he's at 2.4. So, you know, I never, I never thought of this doing the research earlier, but the only bulldoggers ahead of you in career earnings ever in the PRCA looks to be like, uh, like Lee was at the time, but you've passed him and you've got uh, uh, Todd soon here as well, but there's not a whole ton. Like besides Luke, you know, that's like talking like greatest ever territory. That's uh pretty, wa- pretty wild that way on, should I have to win a hundred thousand during the regular season, two hundred thousand the NFR, and then I'll have Luke caught. Yeah, take that, Luke. <laughs> take that. <laughs> That'd be what would that mean to you though to have that, you know, be the money, the money, the earningest steer wrestler ever in PRC history? That'd, that'd be a title to have, eh? I've honestly never never even thought of that until you guys just brought it up now. But that would I mean, even just being in the top ten all time is would be cool. But yeah, being the being at the top would be very good. I mean and honestly, now with how much money's out there, you're going to have to win 70000 just to make the NFR. And then winning 100000 at the NFR is not of the question by no means. And if you have a great NFR, you can win two hundred. So, I mean, it's not a co- completely unattainable goal by no means. Yeah, it's not, it's not ridiculous at all. Like, there's there's enough money out there to be won where – and then and then the Calgary round money counts too, right? Like, the like you yeah. win during the day. So, there's you win oh, so much money. 70. Seventy percent of it counts, but yeah, it's yeah. still, still good and adds up for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you well, think? What do you think of Calgary counting? Should they all count? I like it. I just wish they counted it all. I mean, they count. They've counted the American the past couple of years, and then not did this year because the Yellowstone got in an argument with, uh, or like Teton Ridge got an argument over something televising it with uh, the Cowboy Channel, so the PRSA backed out, and didn't count it, which. Same old story. It just ended up screwing the contestants. Were the only guys that took the hit, but um, they counted all of Houston. So I feel like they have no reason not to count all of Calgary. But of course, being Canadian and everything else, they don't count it all. But I think in the next year or two, I bet they do count all of Calgary, which it needs to because when they count Calgary, then it makes other rodeos that are the biggest ones now not the biggest ones, and that's what we want: is more pressure put on them big rodeos to be better and add more money. Good point. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on the committee side? I know I, I, I mentioned this to one person. I was like, yeah, we're gonna have Curtis Cassidy on the show. And they're like, oh, that guy's an asshole. And I was like, well, <laughs> maybe that's your experience of him. But like, <laughs> I it's the first time I ever talked to Curtis. He's pretty cool. Yeah, I like Curtis. Like, that's yeah, not bad. It's eh? been good to me. Maybe <laughs> you've heard stuff, but like, I, think, uh, I mean, I like talking to committees. I don't talk to very many of them very often, other than when I'm at the rodeo every once in a while, I stumble onto one, but I, uh, I think the Cowboys play second fiddle to the stock contractors at on the committee level, because we have to go to every rodeo, no matter what they add to try and make CFR NFR, like, cause we're on the road, we're in and out of these rodeos fast, but the stock contractor sits there and 
shakes hands, kisses babies, and drinks whiskey with all these committees. So they're the first ones to get raises and not the Cowboys. But Cowboys come and go all the time. The sock contractors kind of stay the same. So I do like putting my two bits into these committees when I get the opportunity because I feel like they don't ever hear from our side of the story very often. And you probably are right there, uh, Wi-Fi. Like, they, uh, <laughs> they probably – there is probably the odd committee out there that does say I'm an asshole. <laughs> but but I, I mean, if you, if you don't say anything, nothing's going to change. That's the thing. We need more people like what you're doing to like have these conversations and make these comments because if not, you're going to have these rodeos and still have 1500 bucks at it at the pro level or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's just well, not much is going to change. 1500 added, but they got walls of campers everywhere, you know, but they still have I mean, Yeah. Added. Like so some of like, it, they need to come back to the cowboy at some point. Yeah. I hope it wasn't Cranbrook that said that, Ted, because Cody and I did buy them a new shoot. Oh, really? What happened? Did they have a bad shoot? So you guys bought them one? I, I'm i the one that had to take most of the wrath for that, but it actually should have been Cody. Uh-oh. We were late coming from uh, Pincher Creek that morning to make the Cranbrook afternoon perf, and I was driving, and this gate man was – should have been standing off to the side of the road and he was in the middle of the road. And I was a little close when I went by him at a fairly decent clip and he didn't realize I was late for the rodeo, not stopping to talk to him. So we pulled up behind the boxes, jumped out and Cody steers literally in the chute. He runs his steer, <laughs> breaks the barrier, screws up. And he, I mean, walks immediately over to Wayne Bull and starts chewing him out because he wouldn't, he wouldn't hold the rodeo up or wait for us or anything. And so, yeah, Cody chewed Wayne out. Anyways, the CPA find us like me a thousand and Cody 500. So I knew Dallas Mackey off that committee a little bit. And obviously after that, I got to know her a lot better, but <laughs> yeah, we uh, made an agreement with CPA and with the Cranbrook committee because their shoot was old and outdated and not worth a shit. And yeah, ended up buying a nice new preferred shoot that was sponsored by Scott Irvine. So it ended up working out in the end for us. Huh? Well, that, uh, that's, that's a, that's a good use story. of fine money, though, anything, isn't it? Instead of going right to the association, because it just goes, I don't know, it just goes in the bank there, essentially. It Admin, go. Administration fees. Yeah. Well, that's, what, <laughs> that's why I went to the directors and the board and whatever, and I was like, hey, these guys like will pay the fine or whatever, but I was like, how about we put this shoot in there, which Scott Irvine gave it to us at cost, so it, it actually, I mean, there's a $3,000 value of the shoot, but yeah, Scott gave it to us for his cost. And yeah, so we ended up just like you said, it, it actually helped the committee out having a new shoot in there and everything and not just going to administration fees. That's fair. Well, speaking of assholes, I don't need to make any comments on, on the shoe provider guy, but uh, going back to the standings. I ask we, for uh, fines. Yeah, fines. Okay. Fine. okay I, I, uh, let's go, go to first. fines in a sec. Cause I just, I found the newest list of career earnings. So, so as of uh, at the end of 2021, uh, we've got uh, Curtis Cassidy number 41. So Ty Murray's 48th, year 41st. Um, who else? We've got Tyson Durfee up there, close by Shane Hanchy. So Rod Hay is a top Canadian now, and he's 27th at 2.3. But I guess Branquino got a few more bucks since that 2016 uh, list. So he's, uh, he's 16th at 2.56. That looks like the top bulldog around the road. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, the top four are all uh, 
tied on ropers. I'm thinking that's probably partially longevity, but you got like Trevor, Cody, Fred, Joe, then Casey Fields, number five, Tuff Cooper's number six, Billy Eppower's number seven. Sage Kimsey's already in the top 10, 2.9, but just pretty, thought I'd uh, get some info. Close that uh, like 10th to 40th or whatever, it's not that much money in between them all. Yeah. No, 10th's uh, 2.9 and and you're 40th, two, 2 million flat. So if they count everything else, you might be in the top 10, but then they'd have to count Kimsey's Calgary money too. So everybody else, they've probably Yo. been there too, I guess. <laughs> Except for Speed and Rich, no team helpers. What do you, so, Wacey, you go on the fine story. I like that. that we love, yeah, we count. love, we, I mean, anybody who's made the NFR or whatever, we love asking about the fine questions because there's always this, you hear what the crazy ass fines they go out there. So is there been any that you've received or had anybody you're close to get given to any of those crazy fines just at the nfr that's probably the least i've been fined at any <laughs> okay but and then so then anywhere else it's not just be the nfr could be over your career i have had some random fines from the nfr for taking too long in the box or something like that but yeah it's um honestly the nfr has been pretty good with the steer wrestling if you got a good horse that's good in the box you just whip in their back in not go so it's pretty pretty easy but i mean every once in a while yeah you do get a get a fine here and there what's the worst one besides having to buy a cram book or shoot <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's lots of fines out there i mean i get a hundred dollar fine everybody i go to pay my entries late and stuff like that oh yeah there i that are actually there is another armstrong story i just remembered <laughs> 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 this goes back to cody not me again <laughs> I was driving and I'd ended up taking most of the wrath for this, but yeah, I went into Armstrong. We got there at four in the morning and I was driving and I just rolled it in there, shut her down and we we're just going to catch some sleep before the performance. And yeah, about six in the morning, we'd barely laid down and this committee woman comes up there. She wasn't even a committee woman, just a parking woman. And she comes up there and it wasn't like a, it was like bam, bam, bam on the door. And yeah, she caught my brother on a bad moment because he flung the door open and proceeded to chew her out, <laughs> made her oh, cry. No. And then they wanted to kick her oh, off the rodeo grounds and kick oh, her no. off the rodeo and everything else. And, but I did take the wrath for that one too, because it was my rig and I was driving, but I actually didn't do the cussing that time. Uh-oh. What was the problem? Were you just parked somewhere? They didn't want you to park. Like were you on somebody's front lawn or oh, like, what was the problem? There's, Sure, you've been to Armstrong. There's very little parking there. And no, we were parked in the contestant parking, but there was just, there was nowhere left in the contestant parking. So I kind of parked where the, on some grass where the spectators are supposed to park and they did not like it. We're not happy about it. But I mean, oh, I, that kind of all goes back to that Chris LaDue song too. <laughs> because us cowboys, most of us have lived free our whole lives and we don't really answer to a whole lot of people. And when some idiot with a weekend badge comes up to us and starts cussing us, our feathers do get rough a little bit. If you come up to us and talk to us respectfully, we will give you the same back. That's true. <laughs> the so, worst is when you get like a committee person that's on just on a power trip, just been like, like just well, tells you no for everything, or like not a committee person, or a volunteer, or whatever. Like I, we've all ran into it, but just like it's just like I'm not, I'm not here, I'm here to compete and leave. Like I'm not here to fuck around, like. Yeah, let me just let me do like, let me do the thing. I don't go to one of these a year like you. I go to a hundred of these. Like I know the drill. I know where we're supposed to park. I know where we're supposed to be. What we're supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> what so so? Uh, what's your experience on the on the committee side or on that side of it? I'm like you've you've done schools. I'm like I don't know this for sure, but you've done schools and like you've given back to the sport the other way. 
or a lot of different ways, right? Like you've put on stuff different times. Like you, you know what it takes to put them on too. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't do a lot of schools. I probably should do more of them, but mostly the reason why I don't like doing steer wrestling schools is it's the hardest on me, not anybody else, because we got to throw all the steers down and make sure they're good for the kids. And yeah, it ends up being way harder on us than anybody. So <laughs> I guess maybe I just need to stand back and let everybody else throw the steers down and torture themselves. But I, I have a hard time doing that. I always want to get in the middle and help out with the strong ones and make them good for the guys that are there learning. But yeah, I mean, I, there's always young guys coming over to our place to practice. And I mean, we've never charged anybody to practice or any young guys want to come over here to learn or get better or anything like that. It just, yeah, it's just kind of dad was like that good about helping everybody that wanted to come practice. And it honestly, it, it, it honestly makes you better when you're out there helping young guys and keeps you involved and, and, uh, kind of, it sounds weird, but you, you just, you go back to the basics and, and help these young guys and young, young kids and green guys, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, it really, you go back to the basics and the, the baby steps of steer wrestling or calf rope or whatever. And it, it honestly, I think it does help you out as far as competing. Um, when you go back to the rodeos after putting on a school like that. The, uh, I've got to say the, I don't know how far I want to go down the technical path. There's a couple more things I want to get to here, but, uh, I was in high school and, uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure Denver Hoff, James McCray, Glenn and Glenn Allen Nash, and maybe, maybe the Goozies were, uh, they live close by in Drayton. So when I was like in high school, like, uh, 18, like the last, like my last year high school, they had me, I was coming down and throwing some steers with them, like just on the ground. And they were teaching me the techniques and I remember like going through the motions and they'd always probably have to tip the tail over cause I couldn't do it. But like the technical <laughs> side of it was, it was pretty interesting to learn and do. And I think like, I think I was getting to the point where I was about to like ride by a couple, like get on a horse and, you know, back in and really get to it. And then I broke my collarbone like the next week at a high school rodeo bull riding, but I was, I was intrigued by it. And they were all, they were all my buddies there growing up and, and I, uh, I really appreciate it, but there's, there's some technical side of things where a small guy like Glenn Allen, you know, and some of the, I'm trying to think of whoever, who else would be small, but like even Jake Gardner. Yeah. Jake. Yeah. He's not a very big guy and he can, he can bulldog, uh, you know, d- can win money at it. Big so I say he's big for a bull rider, but not that big for a serious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But technical, like technically a, a guy like that can, can technically do it right. And, and still do well at it. Right. Like how much of it ends up being technique and how much is it size? Well, I mean, lots of guys think they can bulldog because they have size and it's, it's not the case, but if you watch the best guys in the world, like the Dakota Eldridge, Will Loomis, Luke Branquino on down the line, all them guys, even Tyler Waggis pack, isn't that big a guy, but he's the best steer wrestler going right now. And yeah, I mean, technique is huge. And I mean, you look like uh, Ryan Shuckberg guy up here that made the CFR last year, young guy, you know, like he's, he only weighs a buck 80 or 90, like not very big for a steer or size, but damn sure very technical and, and, uh, and wins because of it. So it's ideally you want to learn steer wrestling when you're young, not real strong and not very big. And then as you progress through your career, you want to get bigger and stronger and, and put the technique with uh, strength is I, I think that's the ideal combination. Cause I just like the Will Loomis and them guys I just named off and Luke Branquino, like, I'm a firm believer that's why Luke was so good because he he roped calves and team rope did all that as a young guy. So he learned how to ride a horse and cowboy, but 
he learned from John W. Jones, which was one of the most technical guys back in the day. And Luke started when he was young and small and then got to be, you know, 260 or 70, whatever he was in 6'3 or 4. And so he had the size and the technical part of it down. And, yeah, that's why he was pretty much unstoppable. It'd be easy to be a big guy and just try and rely on your strength. Like, I think that that's a good point you make about getting that foundation built and then kind of growing into yourself. Cause if, yeah, if you're just relying on your brute strength, like you can get some bad habits and not really go progress at all. Going back to schools and stuff like that. You, uh, you have some guys that are big weightlifters, bodybuilders, whatever, show up at some of them schools. And yeah, you're, I don't care how strong you are. You are not going to over, power of five or 600 pounds no. steer like will not happen so it, yeah it's it's not as technical as calf roping but it's definitely there's it's still technique for sure and the better technique you have the further you're going to go for for those that might be uh wondering about it now and thinking and i'm i'm a, one of those people what what is the perfect run look like it, how much of it is the start and and knowing what what you're looking for and then, you know, getting down, getting your ass low down and being in the right spot. And you got to like, what was you explain, would you explain that to us like kind of quickly what it, what it looks like and what, what's involved. So, like, just the steer wrestling run or the perfect steer wrestling run. Yeah. You either one, you pick dealer's choice. With both I mean, even, if you want. The perfect steer wrestling run to me was, uh, well, out of all the runs I've made lately was, was probably hand hills. Um, I got a great start, was riding aggressive, um, steer kind of broke slightly off to the right to Cody was hazing and I rode my horse, my horse run over there towards the steer. And then, uh, as I was starting to crawl off, Cody just picked that steer up and brought him back to me. And so the steer was basically in his right lead and Cody picked the steer up, brought him back to me and and just as I was catching his horns, he was just coming left and back into me. And basically I got a great head catch. And when my feet hit the ground, it was all over because I had such a great head catch and great go at him that it was in the, there were light little fresh steers, but when my feet hit the ground, he just went flying out of my arms and hit the ground. And yeah, that, that's, that down there was, I'm, I told Shannon and, some of them other bulldoggers and stuff on the way home. I was like, that was the perfect steer wrestling go right there. Just slightly off to the right, bring them back to you when you're catching them and great head catch. And yeah, you can just send them when you, that's the hardest part of steer wrestling is, is getting that perfect go every time. Cause you're, you got a hazer steer wrestler and a steer that you're all trying to line up into, into one run. So yeah, it's especially when they're fresh, it's hard to make that hell happen, but yeah, every once in a while it does happen. Huh. I didn't realize that but for me, the what what lead the steers on makes a difference. Well, I should I should back that up a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Elf Elf Fetterson. He was a famous hazer in the U.S. back in the day, like in the '80s and '90s. Hazed for a bunch of guys that won the world and had good steer wrestling teams and stuff like that. But I was breaking down hazing with him one time when I was a young guy, and he was like, "The fastest steers ever thrown are always in the right lead." And, I was like, well, I always thought you wanted them steers slightly going left. And then after I got thinking about it, I was like, yeah, some of the fastest steers I've ever, ever have thrown are typically straight in the right lead. And so, yeah, he was, that was part of the reason. That's one of the things that from being a young guy that I learned was 
because when they're coming left into you, it takes your go away and you can't move their heads and be as fast. But when they run straight like that, then you can move their heads and, and handle your feet and, and get some separation where they come by and hit flatter and faster. So it steer wrestling is not as technical as calf roping, but when you break it down and been doing it as long as me, it, it is, there is some definitely some technical parts of it. So there's more, it's cool to hear about it though. Cause there's more to it than all this stuff. Like even like you talk to people who aren't rodeo folks and they just think like bull riding, you hang on to a bull for eight seconds. And there's actually a lot of stuff that goes into it. I never realized any of that stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the spectator that doesn't know anything about steer wrestling is think you fall off the horse on the steer and they just go wrestle. Down, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why they cheer so loud when a steer wrestler yeah. makes like a 30 second run when they have to get up and like grab the steer and like throw them on the ground or people love that shit, but really that's not good. <laughs> I was going to say the loudest cheer I ever got at the NFR is when the steer ripped my shirt off and got away from me. Terrible <laughs> 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 run and I was the most pissed off about my run, but <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, couple more things um we could keep going for a long time i don't want to hold you up too long um but the but talking about perfect run what are you know a couple of the most memorable runs in your career and then some of the more um Even like favorite events like favorite places to, like to score out of like yeah like you got the penalties the pinocas and different that places way. where that's such a big factor like or you can say you hate it that's okay you, oh. that's cool man it's awful I was going to say uh, definitely one of the most memorable things now that I'm looking at your background there, Ted, is when I got on that bull in Innisfail. <laughs> and I did not last very long at all, but I did get on. <laughs> hey, what's event? the story there? What's this about? Because I was one of the questions I, I had wrote down was, was rough stock events. So you did get on a bull, just like Tanner Milan got on a bareback horse in well, Sundry? That goes back to the whole all-around thing. Jack Deans, the Bronc Riders had to enter the wild cow milk and to win the all-around at Innisfail. And he added 15,000 the Bronc ride and 10,000 the other events. And I was like, that's pisses me off. That's bullshit. So <laughs> I, entered the, I entered the damn uh, bull ride in Innisfail and the calf rope and the steer wrestling and the team rope. And I had a slew of entry fees from there. But uh, Jack actually made me come to his press conference because I entered the bull riding and like blew it up. And Curse Cast is going to get on a bull Saturday night and all this stuff. And course i got on a bull for like a half a second and fell off on my head but um so then after this all went down i was at calgary and um jack was he i knew he didn't like that i entered the damn bull ride in there but he still blew it up and made it a big deal and uh so and then just it was just yeah the friggin' stars were all aligned i won the steer wrestling i won around and second in the calf roping and i won the first round and first or second round of the damn team roping too so i knew there was no way that a bronc rider could catch me for this all around so i ended up having to drink about 10 beers and get on this damn bull because i did not want to (laughs) (laughs) so then at calgary that same summer jack danes comes up to me with this ginormous contway bronze and he's like here no don't enter the effing bull riding again it is failing yeah he gave me this huge contway bronze of a bull rider that said uh uh his fail all around champion cavro mysterious and team rope and bull riding so <laughs> ended up working out pretty good and jack was pretty sweet about that dang awesome. that's a cool that thing was, to have the trophy case yeah that was back <laughs> when jack was that was back when innisfail was the like one of these stops of the year too yeah it was yeah like i said ten thousand added every event and 15 in the bronx and yeah it was it was a hell of a rodeo and then yeah to get a 
I mean, I don't know what Conway bronzes cost, but it was, yeah, hell of a bronze too. Those are expensive. They're like probably, I don't know, I'd say at least 3,500 bucks. Canadian, I just guess. They're kind of what I would think. Yeah. And the all around is the big one. Yeah. Geez. Ah, that's awesome. I love that. So, so biggest win then. That that's one of the things I wanted to put in there was was kind of most memorable win or or you know something along those lines. Go with it as you as you wish. By far my biggest, I mean one of my most memorable wins is winning Calgary. It's that was, uh, I mean it happened way back in two thousand six, but that's still the day to this day. I mean, I've won Houston a couple times, but I don't. I've had very few of my family or anybody around when I've won it. And when you win one of the big rodeos, having your family and friends around kind of, that's why like winning Pinocchio and winning Calgary means way more to me than winning Houston. Um, obviously your fear from Houston, it would mean way more to win Houston, but yeah, definitely Calgary is my, my definitely my biggest uh, accomplishment and win and all that stuff for sure. And then, uh, I guess, yeah, there was one other one. The uh, winning the last go around at, at the NFR the year we rode Willie. I won the last two go rounds on him, but got a standing ovation uh, winning that last go around on Willie. That was pretty cool. Does your horse have a dull coat? Maybe their hooves have trouble growing, or maybe your horse has some colic issues. We have teamed up with Equipride and Equilux, which are an all-in-one vitamin, mineral, and digestive aid supplements. This supplement helps with all those issues and more. Equipride is a top-dressed meal form, and Equilux is the free-choice lick tub and is the only non-molasses protein tub on the market. Both great options to feed your horse. Try this amazing horse supplement product by asking your local feed store to bring in Equipride and Equilux today. 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 Get on it. Well, I would love to ask about uh, the ho- winning horse of the year. That's a really big accomplishment too, especially even in Canada and you, and you won it a few times in the PRCA. Like talk a bit about that, like winning that and how, how it feels. I mean, it, it mean, means a lot every year to, to win it in Canada because it's voted on by your friends and peers, you know, fellow contestants, but um, and it's voted on the same way in the PRCA, but yeah, to win it down there in the PRCA, especially being from Canada and all that, like does mean a lot because it's, it's a, it's a big deal and prestigious and they hand you the bronze at a banquet the night before the rodeo starts. And yeah, it's, it's, excuse me, winning it once with Willie, but winning it once with Tyson was awesome, but winning it back to back years was even, even sweeter. Like it was icing on the cake and definitely a feather in uh, Tyson's hat for sure to, to be voted on by everybody two years in a row, the horse of the year. It was, yeah. I mean, it's, that was right up there. One of the, probably the coolest things I've, because I've ever won or the horse has ever won because it, I mean, obviously I love rodeo and all that stuff, but I mean, more than myself, I, I love uh, just the, the aspect of the horses and training them and making them good. And then watch me watching other guys win on them means everything to me as well, too. Do you think, uh, well, sorry, a couple things. What, what makes those horses so great? You talked about running and, and just being, you know, being game for that event. But, but what else makes them great? What else, what else does it take? I mean, Shannon found Tyson, so I can't really take any credit for him, but she found him and then rode him a little bit. And then we uh, pretty much threw him to the wolves and, and threw him on the, uh, in the steer rest and just went to run and buy steers and all that stuff. And 
and like I said, we've we probably went through 20 horses after Willie to find Tyson. And it's I do believe it's you got to have the bloodlines and all that stuff, but it's it's an honestly a numbers game too. You got to go through the horses until you find them great ones. And that Tyson's just a freak. He just loves steer wrestling from day one. Like I started him at Craig Guthrie's arena over there at Pinocchio. And honestly, the first day we backed him in the box, he stood there perfect and run by the steer in a tiny little indoor. And most horses, you start them in a little indoor like that, and they want to stop before they get to the back end and look around and all that. And he just like, yeah, took to it like nothing, just just wanted to run by. And then, yeah, more of the more steers we run on, the more rodeos he got under his belt, just the, he just got better and better every time. So I got looking at a few uh, a few things here on the for the stampede, and I think that your dad is, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but is he the only person to ever win the tie down and the steer wrestling at the stampede? He's got two steer. Yeah, he's the only guy ever to win two different events at stampede still this day in any, in anything, which you might in any, yeah. Uh, I was going to say he, he might be in jeopardy with Stetson Wright coming up there, but <laughs> yeah, he's the only guy ever to, to win it in two different events. What, uh, Wacy, you had a question. Yeah. No. And, this, and that was like, uh, from I just looking back, 1990 was his first one and then wins again in Oh one. So eleven years in between, like bit of uh, bit of time in between there too. I believe he was forty-four years old when he won his last Canadian the steer wrestling too, which would have been either two thousand or two thousand one. Right there is about the same time. Yeah, and then he beat you, beat you for the title that year, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think the sucker did between him and. <laughs> that was the question. Did you have yeah, to yeah. do that, Wace? Yeah, yeah, talk a bit about that, like the family aspect of being able to compete against your dad and your brother and being on the road and, and for your family to have that success that they've had and, and that legacy you guys have built. Oh, I mean, that was definitely one of the cool, coolest experiences. I think it was 2004 maybe that all three of us made the Canadian finals in the, in the steer wrestling. So, I mean, cool for us, like Cody and I to get to compete with our dad, but I mean, I'm assuming it was awfully cool for my dad to – be the age he was and and get to compete at cfr with his two sons all in the same event um definitely something you don't see very often and and yeah kind of i mean we've we've all like cody myself and dad we've all rode a lot of the same horses over the years and and won and competed on them and yeah it's it's uh i mean it is a family deal and don't get me wrong we've had our arguments in practice pen and all that stuff too but uh at the end of the day we're all in each other's corner there to help help us all out and, and be as good as we can be the uh the steer wrestling came to the calgary stampede in 1967 do you know any of the history on that at all and why it was one of the last few events to kind of be part of it be part of it because it, it would have been like the steer decorating before that or what would be be the story what, what's come some of the rundown on the history though so starting in 67 was it deck steer decorating at calgary before that or what do you what, what do you know about the history as far as that goes cody, cody would know this better than me if, if it was decorating or undecorating i'm not sure which it, exactly it was but yeah it was uh one of the two anyways but I, they were they were steer wrestling at the nfr before that and like i said i don't know why they waited 10 years longer than than the nfr to switch it up up here but yeah, it was, you know, obviously it was still a competitive event, but it was, it, it changed the event a lot when you had to actually throw them down. Probably because it's Calgary and they do whatever they want. 
whenever they want, right? They what what year was that? Back in the seventies or something when they had a amateur rodeo and kicked all the pros out. Yeah, yeah, like early eighties. It was a uh, part of the deal with because uh, it was it was when the uh, chuck wagons and the rodeo split. I think like the C the R C R C A and then it turned into C P R A after that. I think I think that was the year. What somewhere in there? But yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah. Before before we wrap it up, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the off season and the hunting side of things. I, I I've never asked you about that side of it, and I've always heard you guys, you know, hunt in the off season. But but what does that entail? And 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 uh, I think it's is it Big Knife Outfitters? Is that correct? Yep, Big Knife Outfitters. Yeah, yep. tell us about that a bit. I I just don't I know nothing about it. I mean, we take about I think we take about forty guys a year. Um, I believe last year we killed around sixty-five animals between whitetail, mule deer, and moose. Um, and then I'm still rodeoing in September, so I don't have much to do with Cody's moose camp. But Cody's got a moose camp up in Northwest Alberta, and and uh, he he does a lot of. He has a whole string of um, draft cross horses. He takes up in the mountains there and takes guys out hunting, and then that usually wraps up about October first. And then we got. Uh, a week's worth of bow hunters around here for moose. Um, we take about six guys out around here for moose for 10 days. And then we got, yeah, like basically whatever it is, 20 days from then, then till the, till the CFR starts, but our, our rifle hunts for whitetail mule deer start around home here on uh, November 1st and go the whole month of November. So yeah, Cody, Cody basically hunts and guides from September 1st, right through till December 1st. And, it keeps us damn sure it keeps us busy all fall. And then we, yeah, we take about 30, uh, take about 30 combo hunters, white tail mule deer combo hunters in the month of November. So that's a super busy month and, and uh, a lot of guys coming and going and guides. And I think the, I think we had 40 people for supper one night about the third week of November. Oh wow. Holy. And that's all right in Denali, like right at home. Yeah. At Cody's, excuse me, at Cody's house there. Yeah. He's got a, uh, he's got a good setup around there. He's, we got a bunch of, we got a big cook shack and then a bunch of cabins and he just built a big uh, shop um, that's going to have uh, guides rooms in it and like shower. Um, it'll have like a little uh, coffee room in it and all that stuff. And then we, it's got a freezer room off the side where we hang all the deer and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's a big, uh, a big shop and you, we just, we can back the trucks right in the shop and he's got a big hoist made in there skin deer on and all that stuff so yeah it's it's getting uh we've grown about the last 20 years we've been doing it so it's, we grow it up every year and it seems like we had uh aspirations of making all this money guiding but it seems like every time we make a bit just like farming a ranch and we put it back into it and buy more tags and more of this and more of that so i think we got up to about 100 permits right now between whitetail mule deer and moose but yeah so it's it's grown a lot over the years but um i think we're yeah, we're, we're definitely where we want to be. And, and, uh, we got a bunch of good guys hired for guides through the rodeo world and all that stuff. Like, uh, Matt late always comes and guides for us. Um, having Spady guides for us, uh, Shuckberg come get it for us last year and just a bunch of different guys like that. So yeah, it's, it, it, uh, it's pretty good camaraderie in the evenings around there like you're saying with the with the gibsons and skin and deer and telling the stories and all that stuff you guys you guys might have to come down and check it out sometime we uh after our fishing adventure we might have to do more outdoor shit more outdoorsy i was also thinking we should do a 
a Ted versus Wacy shoot dog in one day. <laughs> Actually, tomorrow night we're, we got all the Bonneville steers at Cody's house, and we're going to throw them down tomorrow night. So about five o'clock. <laughs> oh dear. Huh. We'll, have to, we'll have to think about that. Might have to be at a show. Might have to be like a. Well, do you guys work like throw them down at all at the at the rodeos at all? Is that all done beforehand? Now I don't know. I know you're tying calves in GP the other day. This time of year, when they're fresh steers, we throw them down. Um, but the Grand Prairie herd we had at Cody's house the week before, so we broke them in, threw them all down, and had them ready to go for Grand Prairie. But yeah, I mean, we definitely do break them in ahead of time, typically. But last weekend, they're fresh at Hand Hills and Bonneville. So, um, but yeah, we're gonna like uh, tomorrow night. We're gonna start cracking on them steers and getting them broke in and Dang. teaching them their job. Is that something you guys do yeah. do, do for Maynard or or, or um, who else does it? Them. Uh, what the hell? I mean, I mean, Troy Hoff from Minnesota Stock Contract. We did it for him. Bob Darren Shaw. He's in the business now. We haven't thrown any down for him, but we'll probably get his Brooks or the steers after their after Brooks weekend and, and throw them down for him and tune them up and whatnot. But I mean, some stock contractors are finicky about it. They don't want you touching their steers, but it honestly, it usually does the steers more good than harm because you at home you can lay them over slow and teach them a job and all that stuff, so you're not hurting necks and stuff like that when they show up at the rodeos hmm. so is that like is that something you guys just do because it get, it's like essentially you have animals to practice practice on or or do they pay you to do that like i have no idea how this works no oh, we, just, me. we just we just do it because it it makes it better for us at the rodeos i mean yeah maynard pays cody for some feed and all that stuff but no we just we just do it because it it makes it better for us um at the rodeos Everybody. down the road. It also makes it better for the like getting runs on these steers and getting them lined out so that um they can sort even pens for calgary as well too so it, okay it's kind of kind of a little bit of both i mean we're breaking them in for these rodeos that are coming up right now but it also is gonna so we got we can do a better sort for the steers going to calgary as well okay well i i appreciate the uh insight on all this i don't know where else to go and i think we probably better wrap it up so um, Wace, you got anything else? Got the, the last and final question that we ask every single guest of Cowboy Shit. Yeah. What is, is your definition? Oh, that's other than that. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I was going to say, do you yeah. have anything else, Curtis, that we need to talk? Oh, that on the wall behind you. If you guys are guides, what do you heck do you, what the heck do you got displayed behind us? Are we looking at some, some special animals here behind, I mean, behind you? This is a book, Whitetail, right here, like with makes Boone and Crockett, which there's, like find a needle in a haystack you can't find them almost anywhere but um behind that is uh shaley's deer first deer she ever shot so i got them mounted for her but she's she's yelling at me right now making sure that i throw out there that she also has the biggest mule deer the big knife outfitters has ever got to oh damn oh. <laughs> only killed about four deer but she definitely has that title oh wow <laughs> gotta get her so bronze made up so what about, <laughs> and what about the other one over top of your left shoulder? Ah, that's another white tail that come out of the North country, bush country deer. Um, just <laughs> most of these deer are random deer. You never know where you're going to find them, but you got to be ready when you do find them type deal. So, huh. yeah. So those are like record, record book, uh, animals like I yeah that's why i got these two on the wall because uh the one behind over my left shoulder is uh just over 170 which 170 is the 
is the mark to make the Boone and Crockett book, which with his deductions, he's under the book, but this deer here to my right over my shoulder after deductions does make the Boone and Crockett record book. So that's pretty cool. So is there, where are the, where are the folks coming from on the hunting side of things? And it, has there been any like real famous people come up that you've guided or like, what does that look like? Um, I guess I don't know if we've had anybody super famous show up. Uh, Gord Manford keeps claiming he's going to come over and have some beers with us and bring his guitar one night, but he hasn't showed up. He's, <laughs> he's wanted to come and drink beer with us in hunt season, but he's also said he's going to come bring his kid over to start serious some of these days too. But I'd say he's probably the most famous as of right now. I mean, we've had some, some famous guys in the hunting world, but uh, I'd have, I'd be struggling to remember their names and I'm sure you guys probably wouldn't know their names. Wouldn't know. Oh, so the uh, other day I was at a golf tournament for, for uh, PV Mart and Gord and his, his, his son named Nash. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they won the golf tournament, the PV Mart golf tournament. They're like 13 under. So maybe he's, maybe his kid's actually a golfer. I don't know. Oh, not a steer wrestler. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. That, maybe that's the way he needs to go. I know the one kid <laughs> is, uh, his one boy's uh, big into hockey too. He's, okay. I don't know, I just Gord's always, or if it's Gord or him, I can't remember one of the two. He's always posting workout videos and oh. the stuff about hockey and everything else. But yeah, but we're supposed to, one of these nights, we're supposed to get him, crack him out in the steer wrestling, anyways. Oh, that'll be good. Well, and one more thing I, I just remembered too. I don't know. I don't know if it was you or Cody, but uh, you, it was a year that your dad got in the Hall of Fame. And, and one of you guys, I was like, I was, I've always been, like nervous like i don't want to piss people off and then i got i think it was cody sent me messages like actually he's a three-time canadian champ because i didn't have the stats right <laughs> he was cussing me on twitter i thought it was kind of funny i, I remember that one i was gonna say cody is a statistician if you want to know a stat just call him he's a stat guy he'll be checking all our records afterwards that guy cody oh, <laughs> oh there's lots more stuff i could say uh but wacy might as well finish her off finish her off all right well with the age-old question, the hundred for the hundred and nineteenth time, what is your definition of cowboy shit? Hmm. I mean, hardest question of the interview. I always hashtag any posts I make. Long live cowboys! But um, for me, cowboy shit is uh, like mostly practice pen ranch stuff, riding young horses, just brandings, steers pack strings in the mountains um all that stuff is the definition of cowboy shit to me riding old broke horses at the rodeos that's not really cowboy shit to me (laughs) (laughs) rank young stuff that might buck and might throw you off and everything else stuff like that yeah throwing steers breaking in roping calves at home doing all that stuff and and doing doing ranchy cowboy shit (laughs) okay one more thing too so what's your worst rodeo wreck ever? Like you've probably buggered up your knees a few times and you probably scorpioned yourself a couple of times in the calf rope and especially probably when you're learning, but there's got to be a couple of memorable wrecks out there too. I, I, uh, I mean, of course Pendleton being on grass, I've sprained my ankle there a couple of times and whatnot. And, um, which one? Yeah. My hazing horse went down last year in Pendleton. Oh no. Uh, that i mean i come out of it fine but that's how you can get messed up bad doing that kind of stuff your hazing horse going down but uh i was gonna say probably pinocchio was one of my worst wrecks it was wide far into the arena i reached out there steer kind of went down when i caught him and definitely took a tumble and i was short of oxygen and 
it didn't completely knock me out, but I know I was definitely lightheaded and not real sure where I was at. And, <laughs> I mean, I missed a stopper at Greeley one time on Lee's horse, Jesse, and tore my lap muscle off. And of course, uh, in 20 or in 2018, I was a season leader throwing the steers down for the NFR and run this piece of shit out of the buck and shoot and hurt my knee pretty bad. It was swollen up like a balloon. And then I had to run steers the next 10 days with a sore ass knee. So that really huh. sucked. But I mean, I guess I can't say as I've had any in injuries where I've had to actually sit out for a while. And in 16, I hurt my hip and I sat out for about six months. And that's, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me as far as having to sit out, but everything else just tried to tough through it and keep on going. So I asked about memorable wins, but what are you, what one are you most proud of? Would it be a season leader in the PRCA beating those guys all year long? Or what, what would be the, one of the accomplishments you're most proud of in, in your career? I mean, winning Canada calf rope and winning Canada. I mean, winning Canada calf rope was one of my favorite things because um, dad never did win Canada in the calf rope. And we both kind of wrote as a steer So that's kind of, something I always want to do, but then, uh, I mean, winning Canada steer wrestling is also, but I mean, yeah, definitely being a season leader in the world standings and stuff like that was um, right up there with the list of accomplishments. Cause it's, it's not just on 10 steers at the NFR. It's, it's on all the rodeos all year long. So it's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty damn cool for sure. What, where do you have to go from here? Uh, what else do you want to accomplish in your career? I mean, I guess obviously winning the world is, the holy grail for for any cowboy or contestant but uh i mean it's it's really really it's all about uh just one day at a time just i don't even i don't need i should maybe i should set goals what i want to do at the end of the year but it's honestly you're what's the age old saying your next year is the most important steer and it doesn't matter if it's hand hills or the calgary stampede it, it really is that way it's like I have no idea what a month from now, what I'm going to be doing or where I'm going to be at. But like my, like I said, my, my next year is the, the, the one I'm focusing on and, and making sure my everything's how it needs to be and, and having a good chance to win when we show up. Um, I guess that kind of continues as the summer goes on. Is that what keeps you going is, is trying to win the, win the world. Is that, is that what keeps you continuing this career? I mean, Yes, it kind of does, but at the same time, it's I would say it's it's more Tyson than anything is keeping me going right now because I honestly thought I would be just in Canada easing around Alberta rodeoing up here at my age if you'd asked me this five or six years ago. But yeah, finding finding Tyson and just basically I want him to be as good as he can be and and I want guys to ride him at the NFR and all that stuff and just I'm just glad I can be a part of it. <laughs> well, and so Wacy, you had one written down too about this, about how, like, why have there been so many great Canadian uh, steer wrestlers? We've had, have we had Lee and Mark and uh, Blaine? We've had four Canadian, four Canadians win the world in the, in the steer wrestling. Is Part of that has to be the horses that you guys have, have produced. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think because Canada, obviously it's cold up here and we do a lot of training or practicing indoors. So it takes a special horse to work good indoors. And I, I feel like that's part of the reason why when we go back that way to the NFR and stuff, our, our horses have looked good over the years, Canadian horses, because they're, they are trained in, in buildings up here in Canada. And then we 
spring and fall we're in the buildings a lot so if you don't have a horse that works good in them you're not going to do good and yeah so I, th- I feel like that's that's part of it because it's so important and then and of course we've for whatever reason we've had a strong contingent in the in the steer wrestling for years up here there's been a lot of just like last weekend at Bonneville and all them rodeos there's 60 guys entered at them and like you know the calf rope some of them events are only getting 40 45 guys so there's yeah there's always been for whatever reason a strong group of steer wrestlers up here in the north for some reason but they uh and they have they have done well over the over the years in on both sides of the line for sure okay i'm sorry to keep this going i got one more so uh in october of 2020 uh, Craig Guthrie and Chance Butterfield helped us make a list of the top 10 greatest steer wrestlers ever from Canada. How, uh, how, do, what do you think of our list? Did we, did we screw it up real bad? Is it not bad? Are we okay? Do we get the, the point system? Not bad? Only podcast I've ever listened to, but I mean, it was pretty good for sure. And pretty close, but probably, we probably should have had a few other guys in that in there having some influence on that <laughs> what else uh, how how do we do it better next time <laughs> i was gonna say statistician statistician cody definitely should have been in there okay helping you guys because he knows everything about everything steer wrestling well maybe uh so how bad do we screwed up Does, is that why i haven't seen cody he hasn't said hi to me since because i made such a mess <laughs> <Maybe>. of the <laughs> <list>. he's mad <laughs> he's on the list he's number eight based on what we made up but I gotta, I gotta yeah. update it actually because things have changed. But, but who, who do we miss? Uh, you know, and what do we miss? Like, I'm thinking that the season leader for the PRCA should be one of the, uh, one of the things a guy gets points for uh, moving forward. But you know, if we're if we're to do more of these, what do we gotta do? No, I mean, yeah, definitely should be. I mean, obviously, your world champions, Canadian champions, and uh, season leaders, and and I guess all time money and all that stuff kind of should have an effect of some sort, but I don't know what the right point system is, but um, yeah, there's, you could almost do it Canadian. You could almost do a Canadian side of it and then you could do a world stage too. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to be technical, but no, I, th- I, th- I mean, obviously you guys got your list pretty damn close. Pretty close. I, I'll take that as a comment. I hope that uh, <laughs> hope you didn't cuss us too bad on it when, when you're listening, but I, I appreciate the feedback and I, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. That's a, that, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's fun. Listen to that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, thanks for joining us though, Curtis. It's a lot of fun. I we finally got it done and finally got, got to visit. So thanks for, uh, thanks for doing it. Thanks for making it work. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me and whatnot. And I'm sure we'll see you down the road here somewhere. You betcha. Good luck out there. We'll, uh, catch up in red deer and hopefully, uh, Vegas again, come fall. I hope you're right. I'd like to see you guys both in places. Sounds like oh, we're open. Plan. We're open to be. Yeah, open to be.
Thanks again to our guest, Curtis Cassidy. We uh, we had lined up a meeting. We're going to get together and have some whiskey and whatnot in person. And we didn't have any whiskey for the recording of the show, but he did, I think. But we, uh, we had a good visit. Thanks to Curtis for joining us. And uh, I got to say, sorry, go ahead, Waste. Fun show. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, I know I was kind of nervous about, about it because I, like, I don't know I'm super good. And that's kind of one of the things with the show sometimes is that I, you know, we got to get out of our comfort zone, talk to people we don't really know. And uh, I wish I would have talked to like a guy like Cody, but I don't know. I'm, Cody makes me nervous. He's kind of like a strong personality. And I feel, I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy that I just call up on the phone and be like, hey, would you tell me about your brother? He'd be like, who are you again? Maybe. I don't know. But, Anyone else? But, I don't no, know. It was cool. Well, man, Curtis was, was, it was super chill though. Like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, Curtis was awesome. Like told some funny stories and it's cool to hear about his career. And the guys have had so much success like on both sides of the border, it's cool to talk to those kind of folks and, and well, here the t- I really enjoyed the technical side of steer wrestling. I never, yeah. never, never heard that before. And it's kind of one of those things I guess I've been ignorant to all these years, but yeah, it was cool to hear it from somebody who's competed at the level that Curtis has and kind of has down to a science. It's pretty neat to hear that part of it. I, you know, the, 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 the asshole comment, like, I, I mean, I, I get where some people might not like a guy or whatnot, but, I think there's gotta be some respect just with the, with the sport side of things, as far as, you know, the guy's one of the top 50 money earners ever in pro professional rodeo. Like he, he's good at his craft and I don't know where to go with this part though. Cause I kind of asked about the committee side of things and like, you know, if a guy well, drives by one thing before we get into that, go ahead. Um, well, with like the whole asshole thing, I think a lot of people who say he's an asshole don't really know him. It's kind of similar. Yeah, when we, you I'm know, with you. Cody Snyder, right. Like, a yeah. lot of people have this outlook on them because they don't know them. But after having the conversation, it's just like you understand why they are the way that like they're and they're not they don't mean to be assholes, it's just the way that they are. Like they mm-hmm. are strong in their beliefs and they're dedicated and whatever. Like they're not if you just take it as, as they're an asshole, then you don't really know who they are. I've had mm-hmm. so I've had so many people come up to me over the past like year saying how but like, man, I used to think so much differently about Cody Snyder. And then I listened to your guys' podcast episode with them and you have a totally new outlook on them. So it's just one of those things where I think a lot of these guys who come off as assholes are just, people are just saying it because they don't really know who they are. And, and, yeah. and, we, and we have our eyes open to it too all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, we haven't really ever talked to Curtis before, but he's actually, he's good shit and a really good guy. And yeah, you understand like, you get it. And like you say, he deserves some respect in the regard of what he's done with the sport. Like, He's kind of carried on that legacy of really good Canadian bulldoggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, For a long and great time horsepower. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's my two cents there. No, I appreciate that way. So that's a good, uh, good way to put it. And uh, yeah, hundred percent. There's probably a few people, few people like that. And then, and then I could say about myself, if you think I'm an asshole, then, then uh, just call me at, call me up. If you got a problem, you can call me. I'll uh, sometimes I'll answer my phone. Sometimes I won't, but uh, I'll probably that's, try and get back to you. It's the same thing, man. It's a lot, a lot of the times it's, folks or i mean they just make assumptions it's rather like why make yeah. assumptions just you know the person and, and yeah. then you can then you can then you can decide if you're an asshole if you still think you're an ass so i'm an asshole after that then yeah that's cool have a nice yeah. day um <laughs> so what else was it oh yeah so like on the on the uh committee side of things like do you what do you think like uh, should these top athletes like a guy like trevor brazil or like sage kimsey or stetson right now or you know ty murray like if somebody thinks they're an asshole at the committee level, like that's, that's one of the things is like with rodeo, our support is mostly it's in a lot of uh, capacities run by volunteers. So you yeah. can't be crappy to the volunteers. Like I, I get no. that part of things, but like, 
I think we've talked about this before, but should should every contestant technically have to like serve time on a committee to understand and you know respect or maybe like be reasonable, more reasonable on that side of things? Or if you're a pro athlete, like like if you're if you're playing the NHL, you're not going to be uh you're not going to organize a hockey game. Like if you're at that elite level, like Curtis is at, like should you actually have to do that? Like some of this, there's like a weird like like a weird bit of, you know, I don't know what the word is. One and I think to you, it's one of those things like. Like kind of to what we were just talking about, like these guys, they they like they have like everybody has they're out for the sport in their best interest. Like they're looking out, they're trying to make it the best it can be. And again, maybe that comes off like a guy like Curtis, like makes a suggestion or says something, maybe in a bit of frustration or whatever, it may come off as being an a- him being an asshole. But maybe it's not directed at the committee. It's more so just trying to ha- make it better. And I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's good. that's a good question. Like it would make sense. You talked to a lot of guys that even in the past few, like a guy like Corey Robbins, who's put on a, on his own event for the first mm-hmm. time. Like it's pretty eye-opening for a lot of those guys. But then you look at a guy like Curtis, like they put on steel wrestling and, and like been around it and stuff. So I think they know oh, yeah. the ins and outs. So I think it's kind of like middle ground, I guess. Like I think there's some people who would benefit from being on a committee and putting on an event. Like, but then there's also those the people who've been part of it and been involved with the sport for so long. So they know how to how to make an event run and, and be good. Mm-hmm. So well, even maybe, even the cattle comments, hey. To like yeah. they won't break in all the cattle like that's a lot of time and effort and and but they don't and they don't have to do that they don't have to do that yeah so so that's kind of where I see the yeah. giving back side of things like you know if a guy wants to go bulldog like if we want to go be bulldoggers tomorrow we could probably go fucking live at their house for and they'd be three months yeah exactly <laughs> well, so and even I like I like the story about the the, the shoot in Cranberry yeah hundred like, percent rather than make rather than him funneling his money back to the association that's going to go to an administration fees they're doing some good for the sport and the committee that yeah. has supported pro rodeo for a long time. So I think if we can find more ways to, be, to support committees in that regard, I think there might, maybe that builds a better relationship between contestants mm-hmm. and committee. I don't think they're really like, for the most part, it's all pretty good. Like everybody's really appreciative yeah. and nice. And I think it's just one of those deals too. You just kind of catch somebody on the wrong day or like, like, oh, Cody's, yeah. or like, like even like her, uh, Curtis was saying, like you're coming in hot from a rodeo and someone's giving you trouble go like, somewhere. I'd get frustrated about that too, well, right? I even I even felt bad in Red the other day because because I went by, like I went out to go use the washroom and then came back into the event. And I don't I know I don't really ever roll around there with credentials. Like I nobody gave yeah. me one. I just you know I'm usually there early enough that nobody gives a tr- guy trouble. But I should probably get one for the next one because I felt bad after. But I went back in and and she's like, oh yeah, are you going? Are you supposed to be down there? I'm like yeah, I'm doing the audio. Like you know, I'm sorry, I don't have a pass. I didn't get one. I was he- been here since 11 a.m. Like you know, been on the road and just trying to go. I was like, but I promise you I'm on the list. Like if you look up my name, like I'm, my name's Ted, you know, if you look me up, I'm on there. Like you have, you, there's a list there. So she's like, Oh yeah, I know you. It's all good. But I, I kind of was like, shit, like I don't have a pass. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's like, got the other end of the arena and I'm like, it's like five, it's like five fifty, So I have a few minutes to get back to the stand and get stuff going. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> yeah, I wish I would have had a, I would have got a pass. It's, it's but like kind of like yet. the double edged sword, right? Like, yeah it gets it can be frustrating for someone like us or people on that side of the coin but also if we have have a pass on you and just show them the pass then it's easy because that's what they're yeah, like taught to you to have it. but you like, don't have a pass yeah. for every random rodeo or if you have your rodeo card I had a pass you... all weekend in rocky and I no pass? Been, i've had i've had some hassle getting around a couple of times but yeah but speaking of that that's that's where uh the production meetings uh at rodeos are quite uh convenient to have yeah, it's one of those things like as a person who works more events and does more rodeos and bull ridings and all stuff, like the value of a production meeting is so high. 
just for the sake of like, so people know what's going on. So people know where to be. And just for efficiency of the show, like every perf so far of Rocky and the rodeo, like there'll be presentations or clown acts or stuff going on, but Dave and I have no idea what's going on or what the order is. And we're get, kind of getting it to us as it comes, which is good. Like shout out to Kelly Ethier for doing a heck of a job uh, out front there in the arena uh, for Vold Rodeo this weekend. Like he's been really good at like letting us know who's like the order, who's going to be in the order for each event and like what's coming. But I think there'd be a lot of value just to have like a quick 10 minute get together before the show and just be like, Hey, we're doing this, this, and this, like this is where we need to be. Then, then it kind of saves even, even just for the sake of Dave, he knows what's coming up and he, and he can kind of just have a bit better of a flow. And even for the truck wagons too, like they, they, <laughs> it's, to me, it just seems like they find ways to make the go longer. Like there was, <laughs> there was a point yesterday where like they, they like did the harrow and then the next group of wagons was to come and they nobody was ready and hanging out. Like, it's just like, if you can find ways to make it like, I, I, I don't know. There's some people like to have the long shows, but I think if you can make it quicker and just ha- rattle it off in an efficient time, I think you have less lulls and you keep the energy. It's kind of the similar to like, we're talking earlier of having them having rides in a show, like how much that helps. Oh yeah. But I think having like efficient, like good flow also, as you know, Ted working with the PBRs and stuff and all the events oh, yeah. you've done, it, it really, really helps. And I think a lot of committees and, events could would benefit from even yeah like just even having a quick 15 10 15 minute meeting before each day oh yeah like, hey, we're gonna yeah, do that everybody's on the same page so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh lulls and like downtime where people are just standing around and could like, be what do we could do? be mitigated yeah. we are in the entertainment business and i know that as volunteers uh putting on a rodeo the entertainment part of it might not be high on the list but mm-hmm. uh i think it's important and uh you know we see now are willing to help do that sort of thing so um Okay, we got one more thing, Ways. We wanted to get through this week. Um, our friend Cody Harrison at Smithbilt saw him last week at the at the shop. Uh, he gave us a question, and we forgot about it. So he was asking us what our uh, top uh, rodeo songs we thought were. Uh-huh. So, so we've got uh, got a couple lists we put together here, and we want to hear what your what your lists are too. So, kind of like he said, rodeo songs, songs about rodeo, that kind of thing. Um, and it's kind of an open definition as Wacy and I already found this morning. So doesn't, I don't think it has to be just about rodeo, but it could be, um, uh-huh. you know, part of it. So, so you start us. What's your list? You want to just go list? right to it? Okay. So I'll start off with my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go. So my, th- I have three, four, three or four honorable mentions here. I have rodeos over by Corb Lund and Ian Tyson. Mm-hmm. And then there's one ride in Vegas, which is the Crystal Dews version, just because Crystal Dews the man. And then I have Wild Women and Ranked Bulls by Luke Kaufman. That's what, and that's one of my favorite. Friend of the Luke show, Kaufman. yeah, friend of the show. He's that's a fucking sweet song. And then if I don't call by Leroy Gibbons is another honorable mention by me. Yes, he's known <laughs> as Dale's trusty sidekick, but it's actually a really good rodeo song. It's like about like calling your parents after each ride and stuff. And it's something that really resonated with me because my parents always got upset with me if I didn't call them after, but it's kind of just letting them know that you're all right and ripping down to the next one. So I'll do stuff. my, I'll do my honorable mentions yeah. right now too. So I've got uh, Jim Sharp by Luke Kaufman and Sonny Ledford. I like, I like <laughs> that one. Yeah. I'm right. Jim Sharp. Yeah. And then, uh, then I've got that one. Pardon? The end, the, at the end of the show should be Jim Sharp. <laughs> on. Uh, hooked on an eight second ride. Chris Ledoux. I thought that's it's hard to not uh, not have that one. And you know what I realized too is we should have like looked up that old PBR album. What was it called? That like was a PBR? sweet album, man. 
PBR. There was like Better Alive by Bon Jovi was on there. PBR songs. What was the thing? Uh, bull riding CD. This was like 2004. Dancing with Thunder, the official music of the PBR. Yeah. Oh, man. Charlie Daniels, Bull Riding Son of a Gun. How do we forget about that one? Yeah. Charlie one Daniels Band. Luke Kaufman's um, Bull Riding Son of a Bitch. Oh, One, one Ride in Vegas was uh, Daryl Dodd. That yeah. that was the version I was thinking of when you mentioned yeah, okay. uh, that one. Uh, Jewel here on this one. Give me eight seconds, Toby Keith. I forgot about that one too. Um, okay, but honorable mentions. Then I have uh, I have the rodeo song by Gary Lee and and Showdown. For those of you that don't know, it's the one that starts off where he's uh, what, are, what are the words again? Sean just oh, Sean Sean can Sean we'll should open go with that one. Dub, yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize that these guys were canadian but of course something that crude probably has to come from canada because yeah. we uh yeah but it's he's talking about being 40 below he's got a heater in his truck and you'll you'll hear the rest and you may be already hearing it right now but yeah those are a couple of my uh, honorable mentions but wacy why don't you start us off with uh with your number five and then i'll tell you mine okay i'm gonna go dear rodeo by cody johnson that's kind that's- of like Number five for that's you. My number five. That's my number five for me. Yeah, it's it's a sweet song. I mean, anybody who's rodeoed can relate to it. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of Cody Johnson's like, kind of started his trajectory to where he's at now. Okay. So, and I just really, I really like the song. I can really relate to it too. I'm okay. Sure. Can, so. My number five. I'm going with uh, Bull Rider by Johnny Cash. Live fast, die young. Big fan of that one. That was kind of you know how do you not Classic. have Johnny Cash on the list there? Okay, Wacy, what's your number four? Uh, number four, Beaches of Cheyenne by Garth Brooks. That's a sneaky banger by him. I love Beaches <laughs> of Cheyenne. It's so good, man. You know, one we else, one other one we should probably put in here for honorable mentions has got to be like Rodeo by Garth Brooks. How do you not? Yeah, the title is Rodeo, but it doesn't. It's not really on our list, but it's you know. Anyway, good, shout one. Out. good one too. Like that's true with Chris too. Um. Okay, and then so this is where we got a little bit where it's like is it a song about rodeo if it mentions rodeo because i i've got angel from montgomery by bonnie Raitt, but uh song written by john prine it meant it mentions it so i don't know i don't know if that really counts kind of counts but we have extra ones we can change it up later so but tell us your thoughts okay wait what do you got for number three uh everything that glitters by dan seals Mm -hmm. heck that's a banger i remember <laughs> that my, my dad loves Dan Seals, so I remember listening to that song growing up. And then it was funny when we were in Vegas when me and Corb went to the rodeo together and we met you guys at the South Point when we got a ride with Flint. That was one of the songs we were listening to on the way over and, and everybody was singing it. It was good, good times. <laughs> I've got someday soon. Uh so Ian Tyson has a version of this with uh, I think like Ian and Sylvia did it. But my favorite version is the Susie Bogus version. Uh Someday Soon. Just such a classic, such a good track. So I, like I know Corp's- uh yeah, Corpse sings it too. So, so I, I'm a fan. My favorite one right now, though, is the Susie Bogus one. So, someday soon, number three on my list. Wait, see what you got for number two. Number two, coming in at number two, 17 by Chris Ledoux. Man, I listened to the song so many times. It's such a good, it's such a cool song. It's kind of about like coming of age and like heading on the road, chasing after your dreams. It's a, it's a sweet song. I like it. I've got, I've got, I can still make Cheyenne at number two from George Strait. Um, how do you not? You know what? What? What's the? What are the? Some of the things about country music. You're either gonna lose your dog, lose your wife, or you're gonna be on a dirt road or something. And this song kind of Dixie Cups. You what, sir? You can have Dixie Cups. It's an yeah. tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like country song, rodeo song, 
I can still make Cheyenne George straight. That's number two for me. Wacy, number one, I guess, go ahead, number one. What do you got? Yeah. My number one is I can still make Cheyenne by George Strait. I don't know. To me, that's just, I love George Strait. It's like my number one country artist ever. And yeah, like it's hard to leave. You can't leave him off the list. And for me, that yeah. I just fucking love that song so much, man. It's so good. I, I, I sing it often while on the road. <laughs> I've got Amarillo by Morning number one. Um, that might be kind of like I could have put Rodeo from Garth Brooks number one just because it's like that. But yeah. with uh, with Corb having it on his set list this last year, it just kind of like, if, if an artist likes it that much enough to add it to their list and it, and it's uh it's a classic, yeah. man. It's, it's a classic the, like, biggest hits for, I yeah. think for, for me, if I can still make Cheyenne, it's kind of on brand for me. Everybody knows I like my sad boy hours. Sad so songs. that really, that really fits, fits the waist brand. So I actually, I got a funny story for you. So the other night we had to have like a, like we had a, a, a certain part of the show and I had to find something. So I actually just typed in sad piano music because I wanted to have like, like a kind of like a, instrumental just piano music so i typed it in i found like there was actually like a whole playlist that just says sad piano music so nice. <laughs> if you ever need some sad piano music just google it. i got my sad boy hours music. playlist that that fills that void for me oh man you know what else we could say to uh actually yeah, another rodeo song july and cheyenne by aaron watson that could be one yeah. that could be on the list mamas mm-hmm. don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys cowgirls don't cry brooks and dunn and reba uh and then reba's oh. on the reba's on the version of uh uh reba's on the version of well cody johnson it's cody and reba that's oh a dude cool, you know what's another sweet rodeo song that i don't it's hard to listen to nowadays but it's ride them high ride them low by brooks and dunn from mm, a second that album. that's true too that's Very a banger true. that's a Man. banger you can't listen like for when i even you find the album on spotify from eight seconds they have that song like blanked out so i don't know what the deal is there hmm. maybe it's a licensing issue or something yeah uh but you know one 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 other one from that movie that's unreal is uh the uh i've been cheated the vince gill version yeah that's iconic dance we need to get it figured out <laughs> that's good okay well that's uh that's the show this we week could do, our next one could be like songs about cowgirls or next list or something like that or songs about <laughs> cowgirls or songs about horse girls because like man what the cowgirls do by vince gill is a fucking hot track so. <laughs> Well, send us your uh, your lists, folks. We'll, we'll post uh, our we'll post our lists. Yeah, we'll post our lists. And uh, oh man, Bareback Jack, how did I forget about that from Chris Ledoux? Shit. Chris Ledoux is all rodeo songs, man. There's like what's yeah, the true. what's the photo finish and like uh, Cadillac Cowboy. But yeah, Cadillac Cowboy running through the rain. Like, if you want rodeo music, Chris is your guy. And uh, what did you do? You have Much Too Young on there. That's what that's when I just saw here too. Much Too Young, feel this damn old. Yeah. yeah. That was okay. Gar's first. That was Gar's first big hit, and that's kind of yeah. like what helped Chris Ledoux kind of get more spotlight because he must have mentioned true. there. But anyways, anyways, awesome. I'm talking about music all okay. day. You gotta go. You gotta go to do some shows. I gotta be uh, getting ready on this other stuff too, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Have a great oh, no. day. No, uh, um, I gotta catch up on my shit for tomorrow, and yeah, <laughs> got a lot of stuff uh, going on. Yeah, don't forget to check out us, us, us out on social. Check out our cowboyshit.ca. Cowboyshit. What's the? It's what's our dot com? Cowboyshit.com. Cowboyshitofficial.com. Yeah, check it out. And out. don't forget to buy some Equipride or Equilix. Hey, horse people, we've teamed up with with Equipride and Equilix, which are which are all-in-one vitamin, mineral, and digestive aid supplements. They have zero starch, zero sugar, and zero molasses. They consist of prebiotics digestive enzymes, and a broad amino acid profile. What makes Equipride and Equilix so great? They are excellent for hoof growth, your horse's coat, and colic issues. Is that If that's not enough, 
With all the, the nutrition packed into these supplements, you'll save about 20% on your forage needs. Try this amazing horse supplement product by asking your local feed store to bring in Equipride and Equilix today. Proud sponsors of us, Cowboy Shit. Thanks for listening, folks. See y'all. Bye-bye. Well, it's 40 below and I don't give a fuck. Got a heater in my truck and I'm off to the rodeo. And it's elemental up to now. Am I right? Come on, you fucking let me get your right step right. Get off stage, you goddamn goo, you know. Piss me off, you fucking jerk.